On this episode, we discuss Meatballs Part 2. We are reviewing a movie this week, not the food. Not the second meatball of, I assume, (laughs) three to four meatballs in your spaghetti plate. We apologize for any misunderstandings. everyone and welcome to the flop house i'm dan mccoy hey and this rascal over here is named Stuart wellington hey everybody it's elliot kalen saying is that a little bit of extra pep in my step no it's just the afterglow of having been at my brother's wedding yesterday oh wow so for future historians you'll know i recorded this the day after my brother's wedding the date of which has been lost to history And I'm currently excited that because he just got married, it's unlikely he'll just show up on this podcast. I mean, not tonight. I mean, he's going on his honeymoon. But he's just going to wander in the door like every other episode. <laughs> like I remember, like, yeah, when he was unattached, he just or was like gonna... pop out of a toilet like a ghoulie. <laughs> and let's talk about the opposite of ghoulies. That <laughs> gave you a marriage segue. I'm staying away with the ghoulies segue. I hope that I hope that on your anniversary card to your wife, who you'll be clearly clear why I'm bringing up her in a moment. Yeah. you'll say the opposite of ghoulies. Oh, my love for you. Yeah, on Valentine's Day, the uh, the ground outside my apartment is littered with candy hearts that have been tossed away because it does not feature the "you are not a ghoulie." Um, so joining us today is a special guest. That's right. It's my wife, owner of multiple bars in Brooklyn, taker of multiple improv classes. <laughs> That's right. That's Charlene Wellington. Mm-hmm. And Flophouse Road Manager. Oh, and Flophouse Road Manager, which keeps these cats in order. Hi, guys. How, hey, are, you, how are you doing, Charlene? Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's been a while. It has been. It always. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I guess, yeah, I mean. I, the longest while. I feel like uh, like Lucy trying to get Ricky to let me in the show, finally. Uh, that's a <laughs> reference that I don't get, because I am a young, hip, cool millennial. <laughs> Make it about younger, please. The only show Stuart's familiar with. <laughs> yes, please. And the best show. Oh, see, Charlene's just revealed that this is a backdoor pilot attempt. A second backdoor pilot attempt for uh, Stewart's younger cast. Uh, listen to previous episodes of the show uh, if you're a first-time listener to get that joke. Uh, previous episodes? The, the Sharon Tate episode is the only one. Okay. And also that joke. It's just that you like younger. That's what it is. Uh, so before we get into why Charlene picked uh, Meatballs 2 for us to watch... Uh, Dan, what do we do on this podcast? Uh, this is a podcast where you uh, watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. Uh-huh. Usually, we do something that's newer. Uh, let's say new to home. I used to, I would I would say home video, but it's all streaming these days. So home formats, I guess. Home viewing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, but when we have a guest on, we like to give them the option to say to, to throw us a curveball or do something that they want to do. I have a question for Charlene. Sure. Uh, knowing that this is about watching a bad movie and mm-hmm. they're talking about it, why did you? What, what drove you to be on the show <laughs> to waste your time watching some movie um, and then yammering with us? Well. Um, I watched some of the movies with Stuart, although I had to try to be a professional and not fall asleep. 
Uh, well, then Dan is not a professional. <laughs> uh, Never well, claimed to be. Me neither, because I fell asleep. But I woke up and finished uh, watching the movie. But uh, I basically just wanted to see what you guys do uh, here, <laughs> here at Dan's apartment. Make sure the person in the podcast. Everyone has pants on. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe it. She thought this was just an excuse for us to go see our Goomars. But no, <laughs> we're actually doing it. Now, it's Goomar? Well, yeah. Not like I always assume from it's their Gumar. Yeah, that's, Look, so that's with an R and not a D. Not a D, like no. Galamar. Yeah, there's no there's no D in Galamar. <laughs> what have I been putting in my mouth? What's, uh, I feel like this is a question we need to ask. Uh, famous uh, Facebook bad Italian comic strip to Joey Calbrese. For the answer to this, uh, for a second. So wait, are you introducing him? Is he yeah. our next? Guest? No, 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 he's not. He's not. Uh, and uh, Charlene, I think all the floppers out there wondering, what's it like to be married to an original Peach? Wow, um, it's like tell us something embarrassing. <laughs> um, it's Stuart's like turning so many bliss shades of red all the time. <laughs> um, Stuart makes me breakfast. Every single morning. Whoa. What a darling. Yep. <laughs> he's he's uh, not a party animal. What? <laughs> You're blowing up a spot. Oh. oh, man. Oh, no, it's crumbling. <laughs> That's uh, why he wouldn't let me on the show. <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, so we, today we watched the movie, or whatever, for this episode, we're reviewing the movie Meatballs Part 2 from, what, 1984? Now, is it Meatballs Part 2 or just Meatballs 2? It is Meatballs Part 2. Because Meatballs... Specifically, Meatballs Part 2. It implies a direct continuation from the first <laughs> well, Meatballs. that's an interesting... Multiple I, it, chapters <laughs> of one greater story. You know, <laughs> the Meatballs epic. And also... I don't. I don't know that I've ever seen the first Meatballs. So why is it called Meatballs? Guys? Now, if I may, could I like take a moment to talk about the Meatball series? Please. That's. It feels <laughs> like I gave you exactly the entryway to do that. Walk through it, or do you want to make make a Ghoulies reference first and kind of sidestep to it? So we're going? the original Meatballs was this uh, low budget film about uh, a camp, a summer camp. Uh, two brothers uh-huh. who are opening an Italian restaurant. <laughs> You're thinking of Big Nights. Oh, uh, what's the one? Oh, it's Heath Ledger, and he's like the first night. Uh, I think that that's mm-hmm. the literal name of the thing. Oh, okay. Then, uh, you know what? Oh, maybe that's The Knight's Tale. The first first night's Knight's Tale, Sean Connery. Yeah, Sean Connery and yeah, uh, Richard Gere. Okay, well, yeah. anyway, the point is, Meatballs was this uh, little movie, I think it was like Canadian produced, it was like Ivan Reitman directed it, I think, and it was like, that might have been his first movie, but the point is like... I love that you're like, let me talk about the Meatballs series. Well, anyway, I don't know. <laughs> I'm and a little I, fuzzy I on this maybe. part. I'm a little fuzzy on this but like... They like it's this this little. It's like a guy who doesn't understand how, say, a piece of food like maybe a meatball would be made. He just knows how it tastes when it hits his mouth and it's tummy. It's this little 1980s uh, summer camp com- comedy that would be forgotten uh, if not for Bill Murray, who like this was his oh. first major uh, Hollywood comedy movie role, starring role. And he came in, he basically... Uh, uh, one, one, one thing, just so. Uh, you said it was a little, kind of low-budget Canadian movie, and uh, suddenly this is his first big Hollywood starring role. And, All right. You know, so maybe Mrs. Colombo maybe could understand it, but I don't know how it could be both of those things. By I'm just way, making fun of your, your word choices. I it, get it. It's it the is, movie that made him a movie It is star. Ivan Reitman. Uh, but he came in, and he like basically improvised a lot of his lines. Mm-hmm. Like They threw out a lot of the scripts when they saw, like, what was working about the movie was Bill Murray and his relationship to this one, like, sort of, like, uh, kid that needed guidance and, like, that brought 
the humor and the heart to the ah. Meatballs movie. And so it was a, um, a minor success, certainly a, like a good return on the investment. Now, Meatballs 2 was a unrelated summer cap script <laughs> that after Meatballs became a success, oh. they acquired the they uh, rights it. to the Meatballs name. Oh. And oh, so man. they made this movie. Now, Meatballs 3... Is that the one with the goes to the porn star? Yes. Yeah. The Meatball series had been a PG uh, series up until number three when it became an R-rated series where Sally Kellerman played the ghost of a porn star helping a kid get laid. And then but Meatballs... it was also PG in the 70s, which is different than your current. That's yeah, true. Yeah, it's still a lot of... still back some swearing in, 80s, and a lot of homophobia. Back in, and, yeah. back in the day, a PG movie could feature a werewolf surfing on top of a, on a van and <laughs> nobody did. would bat an eye. No, now that would be... You'd see it would say rated R for werewolf van surfing. <laughs> but, I mean, there was this sort of period where like... Even PG comedies in the 80s are oh, yeah. like, gotta throw some boobs in there. You know? oh, I've, it, come to my, our it's part late, of the human our, body. Come, I don't know what everyone's so Come to our about. late live show in Boston, and there may be a presentation about it done oh, by so one write, me. So you can write off all the stuff you've been watching as a business expense? <laughs> yeah. But uh, just to close it out, Meatballs 4 uh, starred Corey Feldman. Mm, was a also a, a, a sex comedy. A lot of nudity in that, from what I understand. I've not seen it. But, I, <laughs> oh, wow. but, but in my but research... You, in, on the message boards you frequent. In my message boards. Uh, but in my research that, research, that was also not supposed to be a Meatballs movie. And a, another unrelated script, they just slapped the Meatballs name on. That's kind of what because, they do with, with the Howling movies, I think, too. Because the Meatballs name carries so much weight now, at this point. And having mentioned the, the Meatballs, Meatballs name brand. again, so why is it called Meatballs? Because, like, I went to summer camp. I mean, they, I'm sure they served us Meatballs at some point, but I was never like, hey, you know what's... So special about the summer camp experience, the meatballs. <laughs> so, Charlene, Charlene, you have a history with the meatballs franchise. Um, I remember loving the original meatballs movie and kind uh-huh. of, I, like, I remember being a little kid and looking forward to my first. So you, can you tell us why it's called meatballs, please? No. <laughs> <laughs> my, but looking forward to, like, I'm going to go to summer camp in three years. I'm going to go to sleepaway camp in two years. And, like... Using that as a guide for what's going to happen when I go to camp. Oh, yeah. Um, so I was, like, a little bit afraid of all the pranks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But... They don't seem to have a lot of activities at the camp. It's no mostly activities. just pranks and, like, free-floating kid mm-hmm. walking around time. Yeah. I think it's a perfect time to get into this uh, this little plot here. Yeah, tell us, Stuart, <laughs> what's, what happens in this movie, Meatballs so the, Part 2, uh... the continuing story of the Meatballs. <laughs> so Meat, Meatballs Part 2 opens, of course, with the TriStar logo. <laughs> it opens... It opens <laughs> It opens in media res on top of spaghetti, all covered with cheese. Uh, so I like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, there's a bunch of detectives standing around, being like, "Where's that poor meatball?" <laughs> uh, now, the, I'm glad you mentioned the TriStar logo, if only because it's one of my favorite yeah, movie it's logos. Great. And every really time br- I hear that that music, bom, bom, the bom, 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 and it really brings me back mm-hmm. to being a kid. Anything with a flying horse, as long as there isn't a Perseus on the back of it, I'm down. Okay. So, <laughs> so we then... No Perseuses allowed. <laughs> so we then cut to uh, another production logo, and this one's a little bit of a l- little dig. A space production. That's the first time the movie uh, winks at the audience to let you know this movie is going to be out of this world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Put it on the box. Out of this world. Stuart Wellington, the box. Uh, okay, now we open in media res in a bus full of rowdy campers. And we realize that this bus is traveling to Camp Sasquatch. Now, is that the camp from the first Meatballs movie? 
Um, I'm gonna guess uh, no. I if it was, let me look it up. It, so uh, well, you should okay, mention while, while you're doing that. Uh, oh, you want to mention work. the song "Waiting for the Summer"? I can't stop singing "Waiting for the Summer." <laughs> it is obviously <laughs> a hit song. Uh, it goes a little something like this. It isn't so. That's no. cr- I mean that's crazy that they would save a gem like this for the sequel. But <laughs> I guess they did. By the by the way, it's, the original sorry the original camp and Meatballs One was Camp North Star. We oh, could carry on with the song. Sasquatch is better. Uh, so the song goes a little something like this. Okay. <laughs> was that your version of a pitch pipe? Was yeah. It, yeah. it sounded like... So that, that's Thank the you, sound, That is literally the sound that ice cream tasters make, because I saw a video song? of it. You have to taste the note in your mouth before you sing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. There's a video online of a guy doing an ice cream taste, and he's going... Mm, sweet. <laughs> Bowl, tangy. <laughs> and he's just, it's hilarious. It's like he's trying to call a cat to him to lick the ice cream off his face. Yeah. So the song uh, so so goes, uh, uh, waiting for the summer, waiting and I'm waiting, fun and in a sun and fun and in a summer. I mean, that's babes pretty accurate. <laughs> yes, they, they say, we've been waiting for the summer all year long. We've been waiting for the summer to sing this song. And I'm like, did I write this song? <laughs> and you're and like, they like, the swimming and the women and the climbing and the grimming and I don't know. You're like, when are we going to get to the summer? Is it like the tallest building in Philadelphia over here? <laughs> oh! Okay. Uh, so... Who's the, driving that rowdy bus? Of course, that is future star Paul Rubens wearing an aviator cap. So you know this guy is a little bit wacky. <laughs> the kids are rowdy, gets mad, they almost crash, etc. Uh, the bus is pulled over by a police car. Uh, you think it's for driving, but no. The bus pulls them over because they are handing off a juvenile delinquent by the name of Flash. Uh, mm-hmm. Who has been ordered by order of a judge to serve out a sentence as a uh, CIT, which either we learned as a either, counselor in training. I think he says it was either this or the military. Now I okay. or maybe prison. Wait, who is sorry? Flash the, the Bash. Oh yeah, the but, hero of the film. No, well, I believe they hero, gave a similar. Uh, I believe but, uh, in the the original script for Watchmen, they gave Rorschach the same. <laughs> yeah, uh, this term. I guess I'll take the summer <laughs> camp. You kids don't understand. You're not stuck here with me. I'm stuck here with you. Now, Isn't that the other way around, Roshak? No, I'm uh, I'm not happy to be here. Herm, I can't float on my back, so I'm a beginner. I guess I'll blow bubbles through my mask in the water. Now this is uh, this may be ridiculous. Rorschach I'm sorry, I can see you want to say that. like it's it's like it's color war, Rorschach, but you didn't have to murder the other campers. War is war. <laughs> Uh, this may be, seem ridiculous for a movie like Meatballs 2 to raise any objections to the r- logic of the film, but okay. this is the first time when I'm Go like, on. is this a thing that like people no. get uh, sentenced to be a camp counselor? No. As We're going to put you service? in charge of some children. Yeah. It's either... Go to jail or be in ch- be the only person in charge of these children. And so jail, the, please. And, the, yeah. and this delinquent Flash is kind of like a like a Brooklyn-y, like Chachi he's type. Like a chachi. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. at that he's, point, he's I'm like, real... now I know why Charlene wanted to watch this movie. Yeah. <laughs> he's a real Danny Zuko. Yeah. Although yes. throughout Very the rest Danny of the movie, uh, people repeatedly call him a dork. <laughs> Which I object to because he's clearly not a dork. No, but they he's call a him, greaser punk. As yeah. he explains I, to them, I'm not a dork. I'm Italian. Yeah. <laughs> I believe that was the first time the phrase dork was used in a movie. Oh, wow. Don't look it up. Yeah. <laughs> why Why should we start being accurate about anything? By the way, I confirmed that the first Meatballs is where that irritating other that summer song comes from. The, Are oh, you is ready it? for the summer? You confirmed yeah. you went to your sources? Yeah, Are you I ready did. for the good times? <laughs> exactly. Uh, now, what I like, uh, I want to mention, here is so flash meets his friend eddie 
who was, I guess, already going to be in camp. Yeah. And he's like, Flash, Flash the Bash. And then uh-huh. later on, a character calls Flash Bash. And he's like, the name's Flash. And I kept being like, but your friend called you that earlier. <laughs> well, is that just like, it's okay for other, like, goof, yeah, yeah. grease goof, goofballs? It's the Bash, not just Bash. Yeah, yeah, I guess Flash that's and I are that special type of teenage camp counselor that are played by 30-year-old men who smoke cigarettes. <laughs> We're also introduced to uh, two young women who are going to camp. One who is kind of demure dressing like an Amish person named Cheryl and her friend who's a little more outspoken play, uh, named Nancy. Nancy asked Cheryl are you from outer space? But that would be crazy because there's no way this movie set in a summer <laughs> camp would feature a character from outer space. Oh boy. Now, I'm going to chime in with a lot of details about these actors as we go along. I this just is a say, new thing for you. I want to say that. Yeah, yeah. I like it, but it's new. Yeah, it's real like, I don't want Charlene to think that this usually happens. <laughs> now this is a real like microchip or uh, what's the what's the character from the Arrow TV show with uh, the, the paralyzed, oh, whatever. Oracle? Oracle, maybe. Is it? I don't watch Arrow, but or, but Oracle would fulfill that role in the DC universe. Barbara Gordon. Uh, this, this Does that mean I have to break Dan's back so that he can uh, do this Technically role, but... shoot her in the spine yeah. in a comic book that probably should not have been made part of the Batman canon. <laughs> yep. It's not really appropriate for all ages. So this demure lady is played by Kim Richards, who was a child actress uh-huh. who I saw many times as a kid in uh, Escape to Witch Mountain, uh, which played on Disney wait, Channel Escape all the Witch time. Wait, Escape to Witch Mountain? <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> it was an old Evan Costello Disney in the 1970s routine. Uh, she had some escape to Witch Mountain. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. She had That's some... what I want to know. <laughs> she had some small success as an adult actress, mostly known as a child actress, but now mostly known what? Because she's one of the Real Housewives. Oh, uh, really? Of, yeah. which, of which Beverly which... Hills. Oh. Wow. Wow. Ooh, how far the mighty have fallen. Yeah. Yeah. Falls to, to, to being on one of the most successful television franchises <laughs> currently operating. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Is she one of the ones that are in jail? I don't know. Oh, okay. well, well, Dan's we'll research only out. takes us so far. <laughs> yeah. He got most of that from a shoeshine boy that he paid five bucks to. Yeah, yeah, it's his uh, <laughs> Sherlock Holmes homeless yeah, said he'd keep his ears open for more information <laughs> about Cheryl. Uh, what And what character we also introduced to in a very, in like a race, action race? Oh, okay. So at this point, the hit song starts back up again. Like, oh man, you're just, you knew that it was like it was like the beat drop for a second, or it's like the moment right before the slams kick in in a brutal death metal song. Um, so in the 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 bus is outpaced by a lone masked figure riding in a motorized wheelchair, a wheelchair that has a bumper sticker on the back that says, "Wheelchairs need room to zoom." I don't know where that's from. Uh, and then we are Wait, gr- I have backstory on that actor. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> and I don't have just my phone in front of me. Sitting around just... trading tales of meatballs to you actors. That's I the mean, kid that to... played Little Earl. There was a Little Earl and Big Earl on yeah. What's Happening. And oh. he was the kid that used to hit on D. Oh. And he would be like, he would like wink at her. Oh, you can't see that I'm like No, she's nudging elbow. her elbows right <laughs> now. <laughs> he would wink at her and he would be like, you and me. And, you know, she would be like, Scram, kid. And of course, later we'll meet the older brother from the Wonder Years, who's just one of the yes. one of the kids. And, yes. mm-hmm. and of course, I've got an interesting Paul Rubin story. As long as we're trading stories, <laughs> it seems he decided to go out and catch a flick at the local theater. This was not your spin a tale. It's not an ordinary type of film. There he is. Up his popped corn in one hand and a probably generously sized soda in the other, and he decided that he would free his hands for a little bit of extracurricular activity. <laughs> Anyway, uh, <laughs> so that, sorry, Stuart. Uh, was that before they had like little little 
spots with your soda and uh, popcorn on the, the armrest, so you had to put them on the ground. <laughs> you had to put, well, you had to put the soda around, and you had to put the popcorn in his lap. Okay. And so, is there a hole you know, in the bottom of the popcorn? Apparently there was, and that's where the trouble begins. <laughs> they apparently gave him a popcorn a bucket popcorn. with a hole in it, and apparently his pants were particularly weak, <laughs> perhaps worn through by all of the stunts and shenanigans now, that when, he does in his playhouse. When he saw the, the, the menu and it offered... Bottomless popcorn bucket. <laughs> he thought nothing of it. He assumed it was just going to be unlimited popcorn. Said, but in fact, he said, it "Oh, was I a- love free refills. I do. I must say because he loves Ed Grimley Jr. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, always <laughs> quoting Ed Grimley Jr. <laughs> in his spare time." It's very strange because someone some might say is sort of a, a lower budget version of his popular character. <laughs> and I think Herman. that's why he felt like a real uh, connection to it. <laughs> yeah. There is the funniest thing I ever saw Pee Wee Herman do, and I'm a big Pee Wee Herman fan. I yeah. love his. I loved his show as a kid. Was he was going to say? Fart in the face of Jeffrey Rush, Oscar winner. That's not what I was gonna say. When did he do that? Uh, in the in uh, Mystery Men. Oh, it right. was uh, Jeffrey that. Rush's follow-up role to the one that won him at the Academy Award. Is that true that it was right after Shine? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh boy. I mean, it was, but when it came... he plays Casanova, Frank Look, yeah. in Mystery Men. It just okay, shows that he has a lot of range. That Pee Wee Herman or Paul Rubens, I should say. He was on. Uh, he was a quick-fire judge on Top Chef once, mm-hmm. and he's like, "I love pancakes. Let's make make me some pancakes." And he goes to the first person and judge goes, and, and the first chef, and he's like, "These are without a doubt the greatest pancakes I've ever had." And they're like, "Oh, thank you." And he goes to the next people and tries and goes. These are, without a doubt, the greatest pancakes I've ever had. And he said it to every single chef. And by the end, they were like, just get it, just say it, whatever. Okay, like, he was so shitting all over the whole concept of them competing in pancakes. But okay, so they no, get to camp, pancakes. right? So we watch a bus try and outrace a wheelchair to no avail. Uh, we get to the camp, we get to Camp Sasquatch, and that's when Stuart got very excited because star of Empty Nest himself, <laughs> Richard Mulligan, comes out. Yeah, he is great. As uh, as the head of the camp, uh, Giddy? Giddy. Was yeah. he in the first Giddy. movie? Uh, since, as I Dan said, this is an unrelated is film. Unrelated I think project. he's the Bill Murray. I have to assume he is. He was named, he was, retro, he was uh, in guys, kind of a prophecy, named... For the catchiest but also most annoying song from Sparks' last album, Hippopotamus, a song called Giddy, or I think called uh-huh. Giddy Giddy, yep. which I love, but which drives anyone who's not me or my son insane upon listening to it. So his name is Giddy. Sure. So we're introduced yeah. to some Maybe more characters. Maybe it's short for Gideon? I don't know. <laughs> to Gideon? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a comic book character. Um, we're introduced <laughs> to two new characters. They're a pair of counselors. Uh, we have Jamie and Fanny. And now Jamie, his character Jamie. arc, his goal is constantly to try and get Fanny alone so that they can consummate their relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he makes uh, allusions to her chest quite a bit. Now, um, uh, Jamie, <laughs> I just want to... Jamie is played by Archie Hahn, uh-huh, who you yep. might remember as being a character actor in several Joe Dante movies. Okay. Uh, to give us some parts. Uh, I don't know. Like, in Gremlins 2, he's one of the guys in the control room who are making fun of him oh, for... Okay. Uh, like how oh, when he's like, so what if you're on an airplane and it's going over the time Exactly, zone, that, that guy. And uh, Fanny is played by Misty Rowe, who was uh, one of the ladies in Hee Haw, and later a Playboy uh, Woman of the Month. Anyway. So Playboy we, play Woman me. of the Month. Damn, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> this is your wheelhouse. Look, look I, find the, I, find the, I find the term Playmate demeaning, but I will mention that she was in Playboy. And you spell woman with a Y exactly. when you say Playboy Woman of the Month. Uh, we then, uh... I also want to mention, I just saw in my notes that the wheelchair kid is named Tommy McPhee, which is, never comes up again, I think. 
so they the, make a big big stink about his name. We now get a little bit of a like a montage of different kids arriving and being dropped off at camp. There's a lot of bits. We're introduced to a couple of twins. We're in, uh, we see uh, and this this is when I started getting a little distracted because uh, Elaine Boozler shows up <laughs> to warn her daughter about the uh, the perils of men. And, and I'm she like, delivers oh, the two good jokes in the movie to my way of thinking. Like uh, I actually found her lines funny. Yeah, because yeah. she's Elaine Boozler. Total, yeah. total dreamboat. Um, and then we get that scene where a pair of uh, brace-faced teens are making out and rips mm-hmm. the braces off of one another, which yeah. is like a little early in the movie for body horror, but I guess you could do that. <laughs> yeah, Cronenberg dropped by the set one day. <laughs> they let him direct a shot. <laughs> yeah, the and Saska the... sisters stepped in for this one. And the real horror is how much is it going to cost to fix those braces. Oh. I'm, I get to make that joke. I'm no? a dad. No? Okay. Uh, we're introduced to a kid who's super into taxidermy. You know, the normal thing. Uh, a little candy dealing kid who yeah. has a briefcase full of candy. He's a black market candy dealer. Um, and in general, like, I... At least I got the feeling like these were all city kids who were just out in the the boonies for summer. Which is what summer camp camp is. is. There's no reason to go. I mean, not me. I I grew up in Indiana, which was a fairly rural area. Did you go to summer camp? camp? Well, I went to like day camps and I went to soccer camp. No, that's not the same. I grew up in uh, Nowheresville, Illinois. Uh, actual name Eureka, and uh, and uh, I, this is a place that put a cover story about Dan in the newspaper. Now he's nice. fucking dragging him on our show. Nice. <laughs> well, I mean that the the town didn't do that. I didn't get the key to the city. Like it was a newspaper. Okay, I guess it's not good enough I, for you. Wow. Okay. Now I get why you're mad. Yeah, put Eureka on notice. Dan no, demands just, key to city. I'm, I'm your favorite son, not Ronald Reagan. Says Dan I mean, McCoy. It's probably. Well, he just went to college there. Ben Zobris is probably the favorite. Uh, Who is that? Ben Zobris? Baseball player. Bend over us? Ben Zobris. Oh, we just lost a the sports fan. Oh, you mean player. David? <laughs> very, my brother. Very, very successful player for the Cubs. But um, okay. uh, no, I can't. I my town was tiny, and I still went. I went to church camp in the summers. But those are not the same not things. The same. No. Well, but it's a. It's still a camp. Like I like my parents. Like my parents were religious, but I think that the main reason they were sending me to camp was the same reason anyone gets sent to camp is one, get out of the house. So you can do it when your kids are away, <laughs> like, yeah. Two, you should, you yeah. know, see some of the outdoors rather than do what I did, which was stay inside all the time playing the Nintendo Entertainment System and watching movies and reading. If your camp had Nintendo movies, I'd be reading like movies, it was not a camp. No, but that's no, what, that's I, what I, he I'm did. Saying, it was not. Oh, okay. I, I sat on like, like I was like the kid who in uh, in what was that like fifth or sixth? No, it was in like fourth grade where my te- my teacher got mad at me because during recess I would stay in and read about uh, like reptiles and shit, <laughs> and she's like, I want to have my lunch without a fucking kid around. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, Charlene, you and I, I think, are on the same page on this one because we both, I think, had the tri-state Jewish going Jewish to summer camp. camp. Yeah, all summer experience <laughs> where you go because it's the only time you're going to do outdoor things. Yes, and you try to run away and eventually mm-hmm. get kicked out early because you threw yep. a rock through a window. We both had that experience, right? <laughs> I got not invited back. Because okay, that's I used fair. To swim, <laughs> okay. so yeah. Oh yeah, I hated swimming too. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We have so much in common. I know. Yeah. yeah. We should spend more time together. <laughs> we totally mm, I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> so uh, now we're introduced with the, the the second conflict, the first being the conflict of Jamie versus cruel fate keeping him from Fanny. The keeping second his conflict penis is from Fanny's <laughs> vagina over yeah. and over again. The second, the second main conflict is between Camp Sasquatch, which we've always already been introduced to, yeah. and the rival across the lake, 
Camp Patton, an evil military camp <laughs> run by Colonel Batjack Hershey, which Batjack is a name where I'm like, you can name your kid that? Elliot, why haven't you been naming your children Batjack? That's a good question. My guess is it's... Actually, I don't know. It might. It reminds me. Do you think it's a Christian name? Do you think it's maybe? I think it's a Christian name. Yeah, yeah. We were like, should we name? Should we name him Batjack? And I was like, too goy. I my guess is it might be that, and it might be just a nod to Blackjack Pershing, the World War One general. So we have we have we're introduced to Hershey, the guy who leads the camp, and he's this tiny little like Patton parody. Um, who says a lot of terribly homophobic <laughs> stuff, and I cannot endorse that. Patent parody, patent pending. Yeah. <laughs> uh, patent leather. It is, uh, and he is backed up by his uh, his major domo, uh, John, played by John Larroquette, uh, what is it, Lieutenant Foxglove? Yeah, I think so. Who is uh, a fairly offensive... It He's a be, closeted gay man. I, he is a barely closeted gay man. Yeah, He's a gay I, stereotype. He... I, the best that can be said about this character is it could be much worse. Here's yeah. Knowing the year that this was made. Yeah. Here's what I'll say about it. It <laughs> is on its face offensive. And it's only, I think, because John Larroquette makes him feel like a real character to a certain extent that okay. he's able to pull it off. And that it is, it is one of those parts that John Larroquette should not have done. But he manages to, for me at least, he managed to, every joke about Foxglove that Foxglove makes is offensive to me. But he manages to give the character such a sense of dignity he is always above whatever is going on. That I'm yeah. like, okay, he's he's imbuing this character with more than it deserves. You know, it yeah. seemed like the the what Patton, what what was his name, the lieutenant, uh, uh, Batjack, yeah. uh, Batjack. Bat it seemed yeah. like it was almost like he was an idiot for making those jokes. And John Larroquette well, was the, above the, it. And, he, and he, he ultimately is the villain and yeah. asshole of the movie. And the so ultimate it, joke is the big joke is supposed to be that he doesn't notice that Foxglove is so obviously gay, and at one point yeah. lisps. And he's like, I hate lisping or something. And he's like, oh, did I do it? Oh, no. And it, yeah. But it is still, the jokes themselves are no, still No, the jokes like, are just like, gays exist. And also, the... by the end of it, Foxglove, someone has to escape from the military camp, will get to it, and steals one of Foxglove's dresses. And it's like, yep, in the 80s, I guess, cross-dressing and being gay, yeah, same, same exact thing. thing. Same Everybody, thing. Drag and gayness goes together. Like, it's um, just, we we can talk about how the, the real element of that sequence that doesn't make any sense is that a dress that seems to fit Flash perfectly in no way would fit a <laughs> very tall John Larroquette. It's also an incredibly <laughs> I mean, it's, it's an incredibly dowdy cocktail dress, though. Like yeah. you, the, every Foxglove is like has a sense of style and yeah. poise about him, and you'd think he'd wear something that showed off his legs for one thing, maybe showed off his shoulders. Like really, I think, really it's, I think it speaks more to, to Flash picking a, a dress option that is maybe a little more demure because deep down he is like a fairly conservative man. I guess so. <laughs> but it's just, I'm surprised Foxlove owns that dress and I'm going to chalk it up to a different gay stereotype that he is obsessed with his dead mother and so okay. has her clothes and that's why sure. he's so offended at the end because he's like, that's my mother's dress. Cool. So at, anyway. this, point, at, at <laughs> anyway. this point, we learn that uh, that Flash seems to have a crush on the nice girl Cheryl. Um, Giddy meets with Flash and tries to convince him to be part of the upcoming Champ of the Lake competition. And th- this is where we know this is the crux of the movie: is that we know that everything is going to hang in the balance on the Champ of the Lake, a boxing match that will uh, between them and Camp uh, between Camp Sasquatch and Camp Patton. 
uh, Flash meets with his bunk, which of course is made up with all of the uh, the rascals we have already been introduced with, uh, including, as Dan mentioned earlier, the older brother from the Wonder Years, who is I now that was a, Elliot. Elliot mentioned that. Elliot, give Dan the credit. You guys <laughs> are pretty similar, right? Look, I have I mean, so much going on in my life. Dan get the credit for that. Just, Dan's, been, Dan's been dropping uh, IMDb shit. That's all true. Day He's long. the one yeah. who's been getting us in the know on all these people's <laughs> histories. I did a deep dive on yeah, yeah. meatballs too. Yeah, this is the my one... way back on that deep. It's this is the one movie that Dan has been motivated to be like, oh, I've got to get to I, the bottom I of it. I woke up for this one. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like we should do all the Meatballs movies at this point. <laughs> um, but, but Stuart, is there, uh, is there a new, another member of the cabin who has to show up? Uh, we'll get to that in a second. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, the girls make friends with each other. There's some more homophobic stuff, according to my notes. Is this and what they talk about, as, pinkies? As night pinkies, falls. Yeah. Okay. Night falls on the camp. And there's one more camper that has to arrive. That's right. A spaceship from outer space shows up, piloted by aliens. <laughs> Meanwhile, they're interrupting Jamie and Fanny, who are just trying to get a little bit of alone time. The aliens arrive. They are apparently Jewish. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. The mother, I'm not so sure, but the father is certainly very yeah. Jewish. Uh, they are, uh, as my notes say, Good-ass special effects. <laughs> the, the eyes on the alien costume are much better than they should be when it comes to blinking. And I have to, I like... Much the, better than the mouth, certainly. Yeah. You think that if yeah. you were designing a, a body, you would want the thing that takes in nutrients and keeps the body alive to function better than the eyes that blink. Also, the we thing don't that know you're how it takes in nutrients. That's true. <laughs> it could be through the butt. We don't know. The thing also that you're going to notice the most, because the alien is talking much more than it's winking, you think you would design. But the I have to admit, the, so the one thing that makes me think that the people who made this movie knew what they were doing comedy-wise is that the alien kid's voice is so blandly normal. <laughs> it, is the ulti- it is the only joke that I'm like admiring it is that the alien kid's are like, yeah, hey, Dad. Oh, hey, what's going on? Like That's how the alien sounds. It's like the, the robot janitor and rotor where I was like, oh, there was some genius at work here. It would be easy if he was like, what is canoe? Ah, but instead he's like, yeah, I don't want to go to camp, Dad. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's a good bit, um, and we'll get, we'll get back to him later. He disappears in all the darkness. Um, uh, He's barely—he would think he would be a larger part of the movie. Yeah. He disappears for long stretches of it. There's a, but this is jumping way ahead, but it speaks to the design of the alien. So I want to just say this: like, there's a running gag in the movie where like the alien can like walk through things, right? So wow, you're like totally. Bearing the lead on the coolest power he has, the only power no, 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 he has. No, 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 hold on. Well, well he's no, the second coolest power. He's got a couple powers. He's got a couple powers. One of them is he can walk through things, and like there's a scene later on where the, the kids are like, "You can't walk through things. You gotta, you can't draw attention to yourself, despite the fact that he looks like an alien." So that's <laughs> the an first. alien wearing a raincoat, rain <laughs> a bright yellow raincoat. <laughs> so there's that, and then at the end, like as he's leaving the camp for the last time, he's like starts to walk through the door. And the the kids are like, oh, meatball or whatever. Meathead. What? Meathead. Meathead. Yeah. Yeah. Meathead. Meathead. Meat, meatball would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, meathead, oh, you're at it again. And he's like, sorry. And then like he goes back and he uses his other power, which is like to telekinetically open the door. But I was like, but before he telekinetically opened the door, I'm like, how are they going to handle this one? Because this is clearly not, he does not have an articulated arm that he can open a door with. Like, what are they going to do? And, and he's just like, oh, I'll just use my other superpower. Yeah. yeah, I love that scene where the kids got mad at him for just walking through trees. And he's like, <laughs> like, he's why like care? hey, you guys go on ahead. I'm going to practice walking around stuff. And they're like, okay. okay like, what kid is like, 
oh, okay, we'll leave the alien we're hanging out with to go to fucking lunch. Yeah, it's, the aliens the like, seem to be constantly all, trying to lose the alien. They all pull out their, their calendars. They're like, uh, we'll meet up for uh, yeah. drinks at the club yeah. after we're like, like, I can't oh. miss lunch. They're serving eggs erroneous again, apparently. Like, I'm from another planet and I have magic powers. Ooh, Tuesday's not good for me. This whole week's kind of cr- cramped. Maybe, I don't know, so maybe let's do Wednesday. No, let's do September. There's, there's a, also, I will. I will, just want to mention that uh, the way the movie handles the alien, I have to assume that the mo- they first commissioned like Jack Davis to do a poster where all the characters are chasing somebody, and he just threw in whoever he wanted, and they were like shit, there's an alien, there's like a kid on a wheelchair out running a bus, like, <laughs> yep. I guess this is in the movie now. We don't have enough money to cut to make Jack Davis go back and make changes. I, I felt like they made the movie, and then they saw E.T., and they were like, we gotta make an E.T., and they like had to put, like, and they, like, threw him in at the last mm-hmm. minute. Yeah, the yeah. movie they had made was only, I don't know, like, a trim 24 minutes long, <laughs> and they're like, fuck. We had to throw it in E.T. It was a pilot for, a sh- for the Meatball series. <laughs> yes. Like, well, we gotta expand it for the European theatrical market. <laughs> okay, so we're briefly introduced, it's the next morning, we're briefly introduced to the French uh, cook of the camp, who is also a drink, a drinker. Um, He's, there's a weird, they don't quite understand the bit, the giddy is like, no fancy food, I want meatloaf. I want burgers. But the rest of the movie is Renee looking at every horse and just trying trying to make it, trying to steal it so he can cook it. It's just a very, it's the, it's like, what's the gag? Is yeah. the gag that he's a fancy French cook or that he's a heat yeah, horse? Yeah, that does not make sense. Although, speaking of gags, like, that's, again, there there are a few gags in this movie that work for me, and one of them is, like, seeing Renee, like, trying to carry half of a, like, a full dead horse in, like, rigor mortis, like, holding the head up, and then, like, dropping it as he's trying to put it on a gurney. So now the the, the kids from Flash's bunk get into a little uh, scuffle outside of the, what the... The bathroom. It's like an the, outhouse. Yeah, the outhouse because it, somebody's been in there too long. They need to go to the bathroom. So our friend in the wheelchair hooks up a grappling hook or a grapnel <laughs> to the door and he's like, I'll pull the door open. They pull it open, of course. Hiding inside is the kid who can face through walls. That's right. Meathead, our alien friend. They meet with him. They talk to him. They seem kind of into it. Like they're pretty. Uh, Who wouldn't accepting. be? He's yeah. an alien. But they're and they're accepting of him. They. But how did he get his name? So one of the characters <laughs> is named Ted, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he goes, "Me, Ted." And he goes, "Me, Ted." And they're like, "That's his name, I guess." Meathead. Uh huh. And it. the funny thing is that like he's pretty adept at all other aspects of English language. He just <laughs> speaks English. At one t- point, they're like, "You want to go do this?" And he's like, mm, "I'd rather eat a Big Mac." And then, of course, at that point, I'm sure McDonald's paid for that because, like, that's huge product placement. Yeah, well, that's uh, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Kevin Marr. Uh, uh-huh. He has a theory that Mac and Me, that meat, that uh, it was that Mac and Me, I think, was a ripoff of Meatballs 2, not of E.T., <laughs> because Meatballs 2 introduced the idea of an alien eating a hamburger. <laughs> it's weird that, and his father says at one point, like, oh, I gave you those English lessons for, for yeah. so that you'd have a reason to use them. So, like, why they have this, like, I don't understand your... It doesn't make a sense. I don't, I don't know. Well, and I don't know why they're making all this effort to explain why he knows English. And you're also, like, it doesn't matter. He's a fucking alien so, in the camp look, movie. Look, Planet of the Apes, the apes know English, and Charlton Heston never puts fucking two and two together that he's on Earth. It takes the Statue of Liberty for him to realize, oh, you mean English didn't arise naturally on this ape planet Were the same way it did here? Charlton Heston is a huge dumbass alien? I mean, he's an astronaut, so he can't be that dumb. But on yes. the other hand, he is an astronaut who doesn't seem to know, like, how to wear clothes. 
Well, things he like is that from, I believe, Fort Wayne, Indiana, according to the movie. So oh, that kind of explains. Also, yeah. this oh. alien uh, is is attending this summer camp because his parents want him to go to summer camp on Earth, but their like thing is like just to like drop them. Like they didn't. They didn't, they didn't pay for so pay, they didn't register. Right. Like they're just like basically being like it'd be like as if you Elliot, like as your as Sandy got older, just like pushed him out like near a summer camp. He's like, figure it out, kid. <laughs> hey, sink or swim. <laughs> I'm sure there's a Dark Horse comic postulating that's what happened to the Predator in the movie Predator. <laughs> <laughs> what would happen if a kid just showed up at camp? Like, I mean, they probably call the parents or the police. Mm-hmm. I'll tell or you what or devour when, him in some kind of ritual. I'll tell you <laughs> what happens like, when I, a kid disappears from camp. They, uh, they call your parents and they make you go home. Yeah, yeah. Because they don't want you to leave without permission. <laughs> I left without permission a few times, but I came back. Oh, see, I left to go and they and I got in trouble. Uh, yeah. uh-huh. They're so like, you, uh, you stole a bindle from our bindle room? <laughs> They're like, they, they, found me around, they found me around a barrel fire telling my tale to a bunch of other bows and, <laughs> and eating beans out of a can. You like made a little fake beard out of uh, like... Soot. Yeah. <laughs> well, my parents were most mad that I took my new good hiking boots and I cut the toes out so that I would have hobo boots. Yeah. <laughs> hobo boots? Um, hobo boots. Cool. So we now, uh, you know, it's the next day. Flash follows the uh, Nancy and Cheryl, who he is interested in, to the gym where they are having a, a really cool aerobics class <laughs> that devolves into madness. <laughs> this is another question I have. There seem to be a lot of activities for the counselors. At yeah. this camp? Yeah. Not are a the, lot for the kids. The female yeah. characters, campers or counselors, I couldn't tell. I thought they were counselors. That's actually a pretty good question. Because, like, are they... Is Cheryl a camper? Because then if a counselor in training with... is hounding after her, that brings up some strange power dynamics. And we've never seen her with kids. I assume no. she was a counselor because I feel like there are two levels of, like, ages of people at this oh, okay. camp. That's yeah, true. she's probably like, another young CIT. kids and then... But it's it's just strange. Like there's a whole aerobics class just for counselor-aged people. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, Flash uh, meets I think they're with... supposed to be campers. You think so? Because they have because Fanny is the counselor over them, mm. just like oh. Flash is the counselor over his kids, the tiny little kids. Yeah. But he could be a CIT, and they could be like the oldest campers. That could kind of work. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's it's. <laughs> there's a lot of ethical boundaries that are you know we don't want to think yeah, about. Yeah, that happens. So and the scene where Giddy kisses the kid in the wheelchair is not okay. Yeah. Wait, what? No, that didn't happen. <laughs> Did uh, I fall asleep again? Yeah. <laughs> I missed that So Fla- Flash gets in a boxing match with Boomer, Camp Sasquatch's resident boxing champion, who's kind of like a dumb Rocky Balboa type. And I couldn't yeah. figure out if he was a camp or a counselor. All He seems to be just he's, be the camp's like boxer in residence. Yeah. yeah, he's this older guy who's just a boxer, and it's like, so I don't know if he lives man. there. Yeah, he's the handyman. <laughs> oh, so he's the guy who drives the van. Because the only yeah. thing we ever see him do is, the only thing we ever see him do is box and have a canoe on his head and he can't see where he's going and he's going in the wrong direction. So after the gym, we cut to a scene in the women's bunk. This is an important sequence because we learn an important... Uh, it's similar to when you're watching uh, or reading A Clockwork Orange and you're trying to understand the dialect. At this point, we've been introduced to the term pinkies. And in my head, I think of, of course... Baby mice. Baby mice that are fed to other larger animals. But in this case, no. We learn that pinkies means a man's penis. So they're looking at pinkies, just to use their terminology, in a Playgirl magazine, a Playgirl magazine that touts an interview with Sally Field on the cover. Um, uh, That's really why they have it. And we realize that Cheryl is, though Cheryl has a mysterious past that hopefully will be explained over the course of the movie, she may have never seen a pinky before. 
So the Nancy uh, decides to help Cheryl, and the rest of the bunk kind of band with her. Their goal is to let her see a pinky. So it's kind of like a gender swap on the traditional, like, screwballs type no, uh, I got, sex comedy. I gotta say, I do enjoy that this is a movie where the women are, like, the horny ones. They're the ones yeah. sort of uh, driving that plot. But it, it also gives you kind of a hint to the tone of this movie, which is, like, sex comedy with all the sex scenes added edited out. Because you kind of keep thinking that like this is going to be an 80s TNA comedy and then like it never gets around to any of that I didn't find any T damn didn't see any A and the ampersand in the middle well (laughs) don't even talk to me about it yeah very mad no it's a yeah it feels like they are trying to yeah they're trying to do a sex comedy for kids which is but that's like no it feels like like they're like oh USA Up All Night uh, always plays uh, sex comedies with the stuff edited out Let's just do their work for them. It's also like... <laughs> it's there was no of, USA up all night yet. They were at a Cassandra instead. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, uh, it's one of those movies that it just it gives a really skewed view of what summer camp is like. That's like It makes, true. seems like the kids have the run of the place and also that like kids are just having sex with each other, I guess, or like plotting these things and like... At some, some games I went to, the counselors were certainly running off to have sex with each other sometimes, yeah. I guess. But, like, the kids were mostly busy, like, I don't know, doing kid stuff. Just, like, being kids, you know? Making mm-hmm. bracelets, playing like, games. Making bracelets, know, yeah, playing games. Joining the Burger King Kids Club. So yeah, we, yeah. Being so IQ we, or wheels. <laughs> uh, we see the, 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 the kids from the bunk have taken Meathead, the alien kid, to a uh, outhouse graveyard where they make the decision to have him live, I guess. <laughs> they abandon this pretty quickly. They, yeah, the alien just like, lives... Go live in this toilet. But there is... I feel like this movie is, in a nutshell, is encapsulated in this scene where an alien says, did somebody fart? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, that's this movie, an alien asking if somebody farted. <laughs> Cut to across the lake where the leader of that camp is meeting with a like racist caricature of a Native American chief. Uh, who has uh, is offering up water rights to the lake? I guess for whatever reason he hands over the deed to the lake. To... I don't know what he's giving them in, in return, but it's he has somehow it's not really established. He somehow wheedled this out of. Luckily, the, that the... character doesn't show up at all until the very end for what I thought was a pretty good joke. Um, we then go to stay tuned. Yeah, we see... <laughs> starring John Ritter. We see uh, I mean, the, I mean... the camp the camp Hatton like military guys. Uh, riding over in boats to Camp Sasquatch, they start laying down immediately laying down razor wire and ushering kids off of the docks. And the head of the camp meets with Giddy, and he starts making ultimatums. Meanwhile, we do get the good joke of uh, who's the who, Renee is taking a comically dead fake horse yeah. out of a truck. Titled Belmont Stakes, <laughs> which is genuinely a pretty good joke. <laughs> It's kind of not played enough to be the joke that I think the movie wants it to be, but I think that we're to believe that the like the good like uh, Richard Mulligan is that his name? Like, yes. Mm-hmm. The good. I can't like, believe you have to ask Richard Mulligan's I'm name. I'm just confirming. The good. He camp... starred in the best spinoff of Golden Girls that there was. Mm. <laughs> That's true. Empty Nest. <laughs> but lived I, across Christy the street McNichol, from the Golden who Girls. Who was also in a Sleepaway Camp movie? <laughs> uh, <laughs> mm. I, I like the gag here 
is supposed to be that like Richard Mulligan is kind of like this touch. He's running this touchy feely new age camp. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like they don't play that up quite as much as they play up the military nature of the bad camp. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But that's supposed to be like the comic contrast. They needed a scene where like they talk about nature or yeah. something like that, or a scene where they talk about like it doesn't matter if you win or lose. You just got to have fun. That kind of thing. Like How we're is here it for the, the touchy feely camp. If everybody is sentenced. To go there as uh, their as their true. jail Good time. Question. It's a much more kind of like Scandinavian view of rehabilitation of prisoners. Where it's not about punishment; it's about reforming this person into a into a uh, member of society. You know, contributor. Yeah, that makes sense. And I had mentioned stakes earlier. Well, this is where we get the stakes of the movie. We learn that uh, the stake of the, the stakes of the movie is that by the end of the summer. Camp Patton will own the rights to the lake and that they're going to have to most likely close Camp Sasquatch because you can't have a camp without a lake. However, the tables are quickly turned as Giddy surprises us by dressing up some of his counselors as Hari Krishnas who caper about on the shore, which makes the head of Camp Patton come over, worried that those Hari Krishnas are going to ruin his camp i guess yeah and he said giddy's like what use is a camp without a lake so i i'm selling the, the camp to them and they can build their temple here camp Patton, or the guy the head of camp Patton, even though he has met paul rubens character doesn't seem to realize that paul rubens is the leader of these harry krishnas yeah i mean he flicked him off like right before he walked into <laughs> the room and it's not like you could say well he's used to seeing paul rubens with hair he's not He's used to seeing him with an aviator's cap on. Yeah. <laughs> so he looks almost exactly the same when he's wearing like a bald cap pretending to be a Hare Krishna. Yeah, so Giddy lays down an ultimatum. He says, I will not sell the camp if you let us determine who owns the lake by who wins the Champ of the Lake boxing competition. That's right, that thing mentioned earlier that we're very excited about. Which was Perfect a really screenwriting poor business negotiation. Because yeah. if he had him over a barrel like that, yeah, yeah. he should have just said... We want we want use of the lake. Why like mm-hmm. put up put the stake so high? I don't know. I mean, and also considering <laughs> that Camp Patton later on sees nothing wrong with kidnapping people yeah. <laughs> and throwing grenades, grenades at people. Like children are walking around with grenades. <laughs> and then like I don't understand why this was such an issue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Almost immediately, they the Camp Patton hires Sergeant Paladin. <laughs> cool name. To uh, go and neutralize Boomer, the Camp Sasquatch's uh, resident boxing Star guy boxer. and dummy guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we then get a dance party that is staffed. It's filled almost entirely with adults and a few children. <laughs> There's many mustaches in evidence. I mean, the one thing the one thing that rang true to me is that at my summer camps, they were always making us do dances yeah. that nobody wanted to do. So Flash is there. He tries to impress Charlotte. Uh, Flash's friend Cheryl. Eddie. Cheryl, my mistake. Flash's friend Eddie starts dancing with Nancy. You know, everybody's hooking up. The uh, Sergeant Paladin from Camp uh, from Camp Patton brings a elite team of uh, military kids. Let's call them Kid Commandos. Kid Commandos. <laughs> he dumps out a big bag of brass knuckles for them all to use. They wait for Boomer to finish getting ready. Uh, Boomer, who we've established is dumb, and also apparently has a real body odor issue because he keeps... Uh, putting on, on deodorant and then smelling himself and being not happy with the uh, results. Uh, they trick him by claiming that they are him in the bushes. They say, I'm like, it's Boomer here. So he's like, goes to investigate. Then they beat him within an inch of his life with brass knuckles, breaking his arm. It's crazy. <laughs> it's rough. These are kids and they hit him so hard his arm broke. I mean, maybe Paladin took care of that part. but Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, they must practice the Fist of the North Star over there. So Jamie and Fanny at the same time are trying to get a loan. They, while at the same time, Nancy convinces Eddie to surprise Cheryl by... Well, here's here's one of the weird things about mm-hmm. it is that this this they set up a very kind of semi elaborate prank while the camp is having a viewing of the movie Shockwaves, which is a horror movie about Nazi zombies that yep. come out of a lake and kill people, uh-huh. and yep. it is a strange choice uh-huh. for a movie night at a summer camp with yeah. kids. Uh-huh. I in, believe in, in a I theater can, that is very well lit. I can, yes, I believe yes. I can explain that. Choice. I mean, I'm sure it's, oh, it was, yeah. sure it's a movie that either they they someone who made this movie was involved with, or they bought the rights. Yes, to or something the like director of this is the director of Shockwaves. Okay, and now there when I was go. a kid, they, we did a, in summer camp. We did a thing once a summer where everybody had a big sleepover in the cafeteria. When mm. the kids were awake, they watched. We watched, you know, a kid movie. Mm-hmm. Then when the younger kids went to Fern Gully or something. There's one year where it's Fern Gully. Then I didn't watch the whole movie. I, I've talked about before about how I've never seen all of Fern Gully. Then the younger kids yeah. went to sleep, and then we watched The Great Outdoors. And then when those kids went to sleep, the counselors, and to, whichever kids were still awake, I guess, watched Stripes. And it was like, <laughs> only looking back now, I'm like, it wasn't like the kids were in a different room. They were yeah. all just there but asleep while Stripes was playing. But. It was yeah. 80s PG or yeah. 70, 79, I think. Yeah, that's, it's kind of like when I was watching Chernobyl at home with my wife, Charlene, asleep on the couch next that's to me. me. And there were episodes <laughs> where I was like... There were episodes where I'm like, dear God, I hope Charlene does not open her eyes for (laughs) but a moment like a dragon from Secret of Nim. (laughs) So she convinces Eddie... To to, uh, to what? Streak or like open... To streak through the girl's cabin. And with the implication being, if you streak through the girl's cabin and Cheryl sees your penis... I'm gonna have sex yeah. with you. Our, and and at that point, her curse will be lifted. She'll have let Cheryl see a pinky, and yeah. that she her work is done. Now she, she can, can leave this earthly plane. She can plane. Out of there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and or so, maybe or maybe he thinks that the women will just be driven so crazy that he'll achieve every guy's dream of being torn to shreds, like at the end of don't uh, the Bacchae. Don't most guys think mm-hmm. that like if they can get someone to see their penis, they won't be able to control themselves. I mean, that is what many <laughs> men what believe. many men believe. I feel like most of my rides on the subway have proven that to be They believe be that true. women have the same reaction to male genitals <laughs> that uh. men have to female genitals, which is a complete loss of control or mental, th- or mental processes. Yeah, we start saying hello to a nurse who isn't even there. Our eyeballs <laughs> pop out of the sockets, and you're like, that's not... Our tongues l- get lengthened and fall on the ground, and we don't even mind that our tongues are touching the ground which is disgusting and because uh, before we know it our heads turn into a steam whistle from an old factory and it's like how does our brain fit in there where did our eyes go I don't understand I mean the heat involved to require that kind of a steam whistle to function would be certainly dangerous for a human body at the very least you'd be instantly dehydrated worst case scenario you'd die of heat stroke in a moment Uh, but I think what men forget is often I just want to before we go I think what men forget is that the female body is beautiful and the male body as I forget was it was it Elaine Boozler or Rita? I forget who, what, which comedian referred to it as looking like a half-decorated Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> so we, now we have the plan. Uh, Fanny and Jamie have made plans to uh, hook up. Finally, finding some alone time in this whirlwind of campers. And Eddie is going to surprise Cheryl by showing up in their bunk naked. However, what they did not count on are pranks. Oh, oh pranks. pranks. Everyone's Achilles heel. Pranks. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Those kids we had talked about earlier swapped the removable bunk signs <laughs> from the, numbers the of front the of those bunks. <laughs> so, you know, assuming that these love-crazed maniacs that would show up 
uh, would not notice. Now, here's where we... A switcheroo uh, that would not be out of place in a Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's something about this bit that also punctures another subplot of the movie because they move the numbers on the bunks between the girl's cabin and Fanny's cabin. Ah, here's the rub. Fanny has her own cabin, and... What's 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 Jack? What's Flash. His, no, no. What's the what's the guy who's always trying to have sex with Flash. Fanny? Flash. No, no, no. What's Jamie. The, Jamie. Jamie. Jamie is constantly trying to find a place to have sex with Fanny. Why doesn't he do it in her private room? <gasps> well, well, meatballs part two. I believe. <laughs> I believe we've come to the end case of this closed. case as it's exhibit A. Meatballs, I find you guilty of being dumb. <laughs> so, uh, so we get we get the scene of Jamie and Eddie kind of like crossing paths and crisscrossing, not knowing where they're going. And Charlene pointed out the uh, the best part is when Jamie's about to go into the bunk and he like rubs his hands together with like a little yummy face. <laughs> Uh, so he goes rubbing his hands because he's like, I'm going to have something great. And so they both go into the wrong cabin. Finally, the sweetest treat, human affection. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, he's like, oh, if Thornton Wilder was right in the bridge of St. Louis Ray, and love is the bridge, then I'll, I'll be experiencing it tonight. Sweet, effervescent euphoria. So, True love. Uh, they, you know, they show up. They, uh, Eddie flashes a newly awoken Fanny. Jamie is in a camp full of uh, what I can only assume are much younger women, and they're terrified. He's in his, of course, union suit uh, underwear. His yeah, underwear. he's wearing this, like, crazy... <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's, it's also it's summer camp. It's like it's a summer. onesie, he's wearing, but without the pants. It's, it's like a long sleeve. It looks like, it's, like it's a, a classic nightgown. butt flap, like, long underwear. <laughs> yeah, like a, like a prospector would that, wear on the range. Did he get that custom made? <laughs> dress. It, it is has a, no bottom. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's wearing. They, I guess they ordered. He he called the tailor and he said, "Get me the most comical night garments." I mean, he. I mean, at this point, Jamie has been like he has been trying to. He's been waiting for this moment for so long. We can only assume. <laughs> but, but the thing is, whenever the plan gets thwarted, she gets so mad at him. She's yeah. very like, mad at him. Yeah. Like she, she's wanting to be alone with him. And that, and then he's like, "Okay, I'll set this up." And then when they get interrupted, she's like, "How dare you!" And she like yeah. slaps, slaps him. face. I mean, <laughs> he's also not very good in the clutch because he always, whenever he gets flustered, he starts referring to her breasts. Yeah, he's yes. like, "Oh, but I love them. I mean, you." That kind of thing. Uh, now, of course, and but he gets off easy because how does she respond to Eddie shoving his penis? Oh, near so her she face? grabs the double-barreled shotgun, which is uh, perched right next to her bedstand, which seems also like a strange for a camp counselor. I mean, to have very next much to so. We learned there's a bear issue in Camp Sasquatch. I mean, it's called later. Camp Sasquatch, and I assume because there's someone a, shot a Sasquatch, a Sasquatch, and, and the head is mounted above the boxing ring, and they they figure that Harry's family will be back to try to get them. <laughs> Harry's family, you might think they're called the Hendersons. They're not. The Hendersons are the human family that oh. Harry starts to live with. And hence the title Harry and the Hendersons. Oh, wow. Not Harry Henderson. A Sasquatch him. who has a family. What, they, never what adopt if... Harry no, they, they never adopt Harry never. That would be so funny in the scene where they're like, there's only one thing we can do and John Lithgow shaves Harry's body and puts like a beanie cap with a big lollipop in his hand and tries to pass him off as his adopted son. Now, Elliot, now what if Harry's Law, instead of a Kathy Bates... Oh, to get me started okay. on Harry's Law. Was 
uh, Harry from Harry and the Hendersons as a lawyer. I mean, it's basically unfrozen caveman lawyer at that point. <laughs> That's true. I, yeah. I challenge you to watch anything on TV and check out the actor's IMDb page and not see that the last thing they did was Harry's law. <laughs> that seems to be a running thing. almost always the case. You mean the last thing they did, like, and then they died afterwards? No, like, if you go, like, three projects down, uh, it's like, oh, Harry's law. Like, where do we know this guy? Let's check IMDb. Oh, my God, they were on an episode of Harry's law. <laughs> like, how many seasons of Harry's so law was, were there? Was she Harry? Yeah. I, I don't I think know. she was Harry. Harry Bates was Harry, yeah. Okay. okay. And were the Hendersons in it? No, there was a, I mean, yeah, there were projects. That, that was why it was puckishly amusing for me to slam them together. Oh. Wait, is Harry spelled H A I R Y? No, that's Harry. That's a different <laughs> word. I think it's kind of a joke. I think they call him Harry because he's, he's Harry, Harry, maybe. Like or, Meathead. Uh, there's it. a scene he, like, there, maybe John Lithgow is reading a book about Harry yesterday, David McCullough's biography of Truman. And uh, instead of saying Truman, he says Harry because that's what he's thinking. Truman's a different movie. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He makes that. <laughs> Explana- uh, exclamation when he's reading the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We have to mention that David McCullough, when he saw that the Truman Show starring Jim Carrey was coming, he was like, well, Jim Carrey's a strange choice to play the president I wrote a 1,200-page book on, but I can't wait to see it. And he got his popped corn and a generously large soda. Oh, no. Had them in his hands. And, and didn't even see the movie because he was so horrified at what Paul Rubens was doing in the in the rollover. And he walked out. And to this day, David McCullough still thinks the Truman Show is about President Harry Truman. And now you know the rest of the story. Harry's Law lasted only know. for 34 episodes, by the way. 34 <laughs> episodes of Harry's it's Law. It's a better run than, like, uh, Capital Critters. Look, you know, sure. it's two seasons, I, mean, I think. It's more or than, a season and a half, More maybe. than beloved animated show Tuca and Birdie, Dan. Aww. Oh, Tuca and Birdie. Oh, did that get canceled? It got canceled. Yeah. Oh, I'm so, sorry to hear that. the next day... Is Birdie uh, going to be okay? Well, <laughs> I know Tuca's got other projects lined up. <laughs> I don't know. The next day... I, you know what? I'm just glad... I, if we get any episodes of a show about two ladybirds who live in a world where buildings have boobs, then I feel like America has done its job. So, you know, let's be thankful for what we had. So, <laughs> the next day... Is that what yeah. Ladybird is about? Tuca and Birdie? <laughs> yeah. Flash. Because it is two friends, right? Oh boy. Flash finally has a little bit of alone time in the bunk, so he whips out a little joint and starts smoking the devil's weed. Thinking he's all alone, <laughs> not so, my friend. He is joined by uh, Meathead the alien, who uh, phases through the wall like Shadowcat. And Flash is only barely phased because of the aforementioned reefer. Uh-huh. He sees Meathead. He's like, mm, he, he looks at the joint like a hobo might look at a, uh, ba- a bottle of Mad Dog 2020 in a paper bag. And he decides to throw it away. But luckily, Meathead shows that he has other powers. He has telekinesis, so he catches the joint midair and then, being a child, puts it in his mouth and starts smoking it, <laughs> which makes him float up to the ceiling of the cabin. It was the 80s. Everybody it was, did that. It was so much stuff was new in the 80s. Blowjobs, marijuana, they just didn't know how these things made people react. <laughs> so then the kids show up and are like, Meathead, what's going on? Meathead, obviously, is, he was only high in the figurative sense, or the literal sense, I suppose. Uh, That's how aliens get high. They literally... Oh, yeah. that makes so much more sense. Different effects. If, yeah. same if way, only like, Ripley had used that Tactic. Same way, like goats what, don't get poison if, ivy. Wait, if Ripley had, had wait, I, well, yeah, goats don't get poison ivy. That's right. And that's why they have to eat them. That, 
the so Ripley, if he if she had gotten the alien like super high, yes. like that would have solved the problem. <laughs> yes. just oh, away. Because the alien, the problem is the alien is eating people, right? So <laughs> yep. if it's super high, it's gonna eat more people. No, right? it's gonna be it'll float up to the sky. We we've already addressed what I mean, the but she kind of does that weed. without I mean, the drugs by shooting it out the <laughs> yeah. airlock. Yeah, but yeah, I, I feel like that's like, a lot of work. Like in the Nostromo, <laughs> I don't know what float up to the sky means. It's just gonna be bumping his head there's up no, against the top of the no up the in ship. space. I mean, that's the thing. Like that's the thing. And then you got an alien that just I guess hopefully it's a high enough ceiling that when he lunges at you you yeah. can just duck down you know and just laugh at him I mean but... it depends on the budget um... <laughs> of what the Nostromo so we've already seen that he can he can go up in the roof and then just drop down and kill Harry Dean Stanton the, in that um... room that's full of wet chains for some reason Dan why does the Nostromo a spaceship have a room full of wet chains I don't understand what's in that room I mean, why are they shooting the grind in that room yeah yeah they're, sh- they're assume... shooting a prodigy video in there <laughs> I assume that number one is just their chain storage room. Okay. That's where they store their chains. And number two, the room is so big that it has its own condensation that creates All rain. right. That's fair. It's, that's, a, that's better than how the trash compactor on the Death Star has both organic waste and metal waste, which means, does the Empire recycle poop? <laughs> and that's like the recycling? I don't understand. Yeah. Because if so, who's the real bad guy? So the <laughs> the other camp, the other young campers show up. They realize that Flash has already seen their friend Meathead, and uh, you know they explain everything. And Flash realizes, you know, maybe he's been a bad counselor this summer. <laughs> well, whatever. Uh, he he even has trouble when they introduce their friend as their alien friend as Meathead. He's like Meathead. Like, it, they're words he's never heard before. Which is crazy, because All in the Family was a huge show when he was young. So, <laughs> Flash realized the only thing he can do is volunteer to fight in the Champ of the Lake match. <laughs> Sometimes it takes a meeting with an alien while you're high to get you to understand you have a responsibility to your fellow yes. members of your community. <laughs> we Joseph, didn't go... Ca- Joseph Campbell would call it the call. <laughs> <laughs> we go across he is the... A, no, yeah, he's a, he is a reluctant hero. <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. Across the lake, the head of Camp Patton is walking around with a plate full of raw meat for some reason. And then back at Camp Sasquatch, Nancy tries to trick Flash into skinny dipping. And boy, this is where things get exciting. Uh, <laughs> oh, you know what? That's when they're watching the yeah, horror movie is, is when they talk about skinny dipping. I apologize. So the, the girls from the girls bunk trick uh, Flash into thinking he's going skinny dipping. Cheryl thinks she's just going to go watch Look at the Stars. There's the a big lot of dipper. Yeah, there's a lot of big oh, dipper innuendo. Right. She's uh, like, uh, where where can we go see the big dipper? And he's like, I'll show you a big dipper. Like, hey, I've hey, never heard it called and that, that was before. The who's I've only on heard first. Pinky. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, do I dip it in? I've never done it. So like, is it just like a brief dip or? <laughs> this is a nomenclature I'm previously unfamiliar with, but I will assume that it refers to my penis. I will never at any point say so. We're skinny dipping, right? <laughs> We'll otherwise assume that we might have to confirm what we're doing. I'll simply take it for granted that the way Nancy reported these events to me and your plans are accurate in your mind, even though the things you're saying seem like they could be taken in a more innocent direction. And knowing your character and personality, the way you dress, the way you speak, how you react to me up till now, it almost seems more logical that you're literally talking about stars you're looking at. But again, I just... 
can I'm, even the very idea of seeing a, a naked female body has so suffused my brain with the inability to think logically that I'll just again believe Nancy, a noted liar, who tricked my best friend into streaking in a way that almost got him killed. <laughs> and again, we're tough. We're from the streets. We've been shot at so many times before that it barely phased him. But again, I should remember that my friend Eddie might not Sorry exist right flash, now but... because of what Nancy told him. And yet I am so eager to see Cheryl with out of clothes on that I will take it on face value. Do you think do you think Fanny would have lost her job if she she'd shot that keeper? <laughs> I don't it's a good question. I mean there's there seems to be a different law that applies to yeah, summer camp. This is a standard ground state. I don't know. I mean yeah. it was also the eighties so men were allowed to do terrible things. So, so we're, women probably were too. So we have a scene where there's a little bit of will they won't they and by will they won't they I mean of course uh, go skinny dipping. Flash takes off uh, goes behind a rock takes off all his clothes uh, he jumps in the water, and what do you know, of course, a giant bear shows up, and I guess starts taking his clothes. The other girls are up in a tree, ready to watch <laughs> the, the bear takes his clothes? The bear, the, the bear takes his clothes off, that the bear unzips and gets in, and then he's like, oh, he, he has, he gets water in his eyes, and he can't see, and he's feeling the bear's naked under its fur skin, and he's like, oh, uh, Cheryl, you're built differently than I thought, and the bear's like, and like, he's like, Cheryl, you're such an animal, okay, and he has sex with the bear. Yeah, and the oh, next, no. uh, and the next, that's how uh, Teddy Ruxpin was born. That's the plot of the Revenant. <laughs> Dan, I don't know if you watched all of the Revenant. It took a weird turn, and at the, by the end of it, he's married to that bear. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the next soundstage over, Jamie and Fanny are trying to hook up. It's clearly the same soundstage, slightly redressed. They moved to the bush and the rock. Meanwhile, uh, we see Camp Patton's uh, counterinsurgency team sneaking into the camp. Oh, I will say about that bear, that happened to me once. Not skinny dipping, but Wait, I, was, what? I was swimming in a creek in Montana. And a guy walked up and was like, hey, you might want to move because there's a black bear coming up this way. And we were like, yeah, whatever. And then the black bear showed up. And we were like, gotta go. So sometimes when you're swimming in the woods, bears show up, I assume, to shit there. Okay, so I guess uh, I guess this movie checks out. Yeah, A plus, no Pinocchios. <laughs> <laughs> Delete the goof wait, section. Wait, that's the new standard of whether movies good or not. Whether you know, it's Pinocchios. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Ironically, Pinocchio, which should be a good movie, does not good because it so has so many, many so many Pinocchios, infinite Pinocchios. <laughs> so the Camp Patton guys uh, kidnap Flash. They take a naked teenager in with their boat. Um, <laughs> And Foxglove, they, they, they don't have a scene of Foxglove being delighted, right? No, no, that's okay. just all in your, in, your, in your brain. So the next morning, we see the sign for Camp Sasquatch is hosting the Champ of the Lake competition, and the sign, of course, reads, sold out. I take... Um, bridge with that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because they don't sell tickets to camp events. Everyone just goes. There's no... Yeah, I mean, sales, I guess all right? the people we see are campers. Unless, yeah. like, they have to take money out of their... Uh, their canteen Their canteen, yeah. yeah. Uh, you're saying they just ran, randos not, in the neighborhood I mean, camp. No, like, I'm going to this camp. And you don't take are, money out of your canteen account. You punch a card. A card. But, yeah, exactly. Thank you. But there are randos there because, like, oh. the native tribe is there. Oh, that's because right. The, because the chief is there. And there's, like, a bunch of, like, just weirdos that I assume were crew members because they needed to fill out the bleacher extras. So, uh, But maybe everyone in town has a canteen account. They just punch... They they usually just go in and get an ice cream sandwich and (laughs) punch their card, but... 
But everybody's really excited for this match. We, uh, but for whatever reason, Flash hasn't uh, shown up, and we realize why. We cut across to Camp Patton, where uh, a naked Flash wakes up in Camp Patton under no guard whatsoever. They've all gone to the big game. He a match. Sne- he, uh, he slips into mm-hmm. Foxglove's room where he finds a closet full of dresses mm-hmm. that will matter in a moment. Oh, um, and now who we, we finally find out what that raw meat is for. The raw meat is for Camp Patton's champion. That's right. A character named Ogre <laughs> played by... Not Ogre. He's, na- he's playing... Uh, the character is Mad Dog played by the man who made the role Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds Famous. That's Donald Gibb, my favorite member of the Beaches. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, the, what a career turn! <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think it shows his vocal range, right? Here's um, the thing that I don't get about the Champ of the Lake yep, matchup. Go on. Are we to believe that Mad Dog is a camper <laughs> at Camp Patton? He's clearly not. A and ca- so maybe he's a counselor. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, and at one point, Giddy is like, "I guess I'll do it." So it's just whoever you hire yeah. or bring in to do it, because Mad Dog is presented to us as literally uh, more animal. I mean, originally than man. he was supposed to fight the the van guy. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Boomer. Boomer. Boomer I got his arm broken by a bunch of kids with breath. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe he drives the Camp Patton van. Boomer talks a big game, and then it's Van Guy versus Van Guy. Ta- Boomer talks <laughs> a big game, and then disappoints everybody, much like the generation that bears his name. Okay, anyway, oh, continue. Oh wow, uh, we'll save that for another episode where we trash baby boomers. Um, so uh, it looks like it looks <laughs> like that would be so great. Uh, this. This year's Flophouse bonus episode for the Max Stuart, Fun. Stuart just rants about baby boomers for two hours by himself. And then, this he, issue, then he breaks the down into crying, <laughs> complaining about his dad. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Really. This issue, the Flophouse bashes the boomers. That's for Mad Magazine. Uh-huh. Rest in peace, just like Aww. Tuba Brain. Anyway. Uh, so it looks like everything's curtains for Camp Sasquatch. And then Flash shows up wearing an aforementioned dress that we talked about. He gets in a boxing match with Mad Dog. Uh, things are going very well for Mad Dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they and at the end of the first round, it looks like Mad Dog's going to win. There's uh, a round card girl who walks like around, like a professional, yeah. like sequenced up, <laughs> like a grown woman with a round card. This is the joke that I had mentioned earlier, where the round card girl walks by and the tribal chief whips off his sunglasses to get a better look. <laughs> I didn't catch that. That's um, a joke you liked? Oh, yeah, it's so silly and stupid because he was wearing sunglasses inside and then he whipped it like, oh, okay. <laughs> Finally, something worth looking at. Why'd you show up, dude? <laughs> I guess to see who he's going to give the, the rights yeah. to the lake to. Okay, so it looks like Flash is going to lose. He gets knocked to the ground and then Meathead intervenes using his telekinetic powers and he overrides Flash's uh, brain and he... And gravity. And gravity and begins puppeting Flash's body. I don't, I don't know if he overrides his brain. I, I, <laughs> I call it maximum override. I thought he just lifted him up so that he could... Yeah, oh, kinda, maybe you're yeah, right. He just kind of flies him around, and nobody's like, he, like, "What is going on?" Yeah, they're, no, they're, just, is... they're just like, "I didn't know Flash could fly." <laughs> yeah, just cut to the nub of my very gist, Elliot, <laughs> which is my objection to the scene. Like, I know this is a silly. I know this is a silly movie. It's ridiculous to get angry over it. But like in movies like this, where some like someone does something totally like against the laws of physics, no one's ever like. Running out in horror, no one's <laughs> screaming, no one's like 
like questioning their own concepts of reality. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Re- reality. They're like, oh, he can fly. That's weird. Or like the, the guy from the bad campus being like, he's flying. That's against the rules. It's yeah. like, no, what no, is right. going on? And even crazier than that, do the rules of boxing not even matter? They give him a five count and he's still on the ground and they get to just pick him up and yeah. he's going to box They're again? Just counting to the, the end of the, the round. The match was over. He I didn't think, get I th- up. I thought the bell rang before the count was done. I think the, yeah. Mm. Oh, oh, no, Stewart, it didn't. Stewart defense meatballs. I don't know. That, I, maybe they con- contracted for a set number of rounds and so they just needed to get I mean, him up. I, I don't know to, anything like, about it so I'm going to trust Charlene. But you're right. They count to five and then, yeah, then the bell goes, but it's not like, I don't think it does cut off the count. Anyway, we're going to have to so, go back to the tape. So, so, so Flash is flying around with very say, clear wires. What you're saying is the flip side of in a horror movie when a monster shows up and everyone assumes it's their friend in a costume and they're like, quit it. And it's like, that's this must be take place in an alternate universe where Halloween costumes are amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like sitcoms. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah like Modern like, Family. Yeah. Uh, I must have shown up to a uh, Roseanne episode, uh, Halloween episode. <laughs> where they all have costumes that none of them can afford. Yeah. It's, it's you hired Rob Botton to do your costume. <laughs> in, in Modern Family, they'll be like, we had to throw the haunted house together at the last minute. Yeah. And it's like the most amazing professional, like it's like the Disneyland or something yeah. like that. Uh, I had to stop watching that show because the characters it's were terrible. too rich. I couldn't believe yeah. it anymore. Yeah, so uh, Flash is flying around on these obvious wires, and he starts to kind of win. He's like punching Mad Dog in the head a little bit, you know, because he's flying. Because <laughs> the most important thing. That's in also you is can't punch someone in the top of the head. Yeah. That is illegal. Yeah. It is. Y- y- yeah. Yeah, you're, there. There are very defined <laughs> rules where you can hit somebody. There's a part where they clinch and people start booing, and it was, I was like, "This happens in boxing all the time." Like, oh, I don't yeah, think they put like... their legs around. Them. Oh, was he doing that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, but that's yeah. different. That's not okay. So, I mean, that's fine if they're doing it for fun, but as a yeah, boxing, yeah, in a boxing yeah. match, see if the So the evil head of Camp Patton notices that there's an alien in the other stands whose eyes are glowing, so he realizes that alien's the reason why this is they're winning. Oh, yeah, he I figured should, it out. He says almost nothing, and he runs aside, and he grabs a hand grenade in <laughs> a room a full kid's, of children. Off a kid's belt. Now, so here's again, well, like you guys are saying, he doesn't see an extraterrestrial telekinetic powers. My reaction would be, Oh my God! I'm witnessing the most important moment yeah. in scientific history. Maybe, maybe yeah. my little argument over the ownership of this lake is not important. No, not as important. Lake is more important. We know we are not alone in the universe. We know they have greater power than us. Mm-hmm. And understanding our vulnerability to this, I feel like the only way I can counteract it is not through violence because I'll never defeat them. They have control over all matter, but instead through compassion and showing them that we're worth saving and worth protecting. You know what? I Bat Jack, Hershey, I'm going to turn Camp Patton into a place where people learn to love each other because in this universe, all we have is each other against these hostile forces. Uh Or maybe not hostile forces, but the threat of the universe is too big for us to be divided. But instead Uh he's like, I'm going to blow me up an alien. And it's like... He doesn't even even go into the into the like. I gotta capture that alien. It's just like I'm gonna kill it. He's like, I'm gonna kill it, and I don't care about the collateral damage. (laughs) Which is children. Yeah, he he sneaks under the bleachers with a grenade. Of course, he drops the grenade, and then the real miracle happens. What is that meatball making the grenade chase him around? No, little Earl. Uh huh. Tommy McPhee, wheelchair bound. Tommy McPhee. Can walk. What? He, he musters the will to walk just to save the camp. Yeah. And That's nobody incredible, knows. Yeah. Nobody knows yeah. he did it. 
He doesn't he tell doesn't anybody. Get any credit. Yeah. No, not he everyone. Just... While Meathead's getting all the plaudits. Well, because he realizes he realizes that that man has a grenade and he might blow up his friend Meatloaf or whatever his name is. So <laughs> yeah, he wills he wills himself to walk, hoping that possibly in the ensuing uh, commotion he might blow up himself. Yeah. And uh, of course. That takes away uh, Meatball's attention for a second. Our cat Meatball? Our, that's also true. I think that's why you chose this movie, Shirley. You're like, a movie about my cat. So Meatball makes the grenade uh, with a kind of amazing amount, uh, amazing special effect. Has this floating, glowing grenade chase Hershey out of the, uh, the room. I mean, amazing Nobody is notices. a subjective way to describe it. <laughs> Nobody notices a floating grenade or the head of the opposing camp, whose very property is on the line during all this. It's, Running out after it, going. Aah! It's one of these very eighty special effects, though, where they're like the the grenade is like floating around, chasing him. Dan, and, and Dan's also, tracing it in the air for the listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's also like use the, the telecaster, draw it on the screen. <laughs> it's all there's like there, it's like animation on the cell, like they've like animated like going like yeah. red and yeah. like normal color and red and like throbbing red and like flashing I, red. Yeah, throbbing I, is also a word you can use, I guess. <laughs> no, that is a never throbbing never. grenade, Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> Strike that. So the, the grenade chases him around a corner and explodes to kill him, I can only assume. Uh, <laughs> but they're only camp grenades, so he survives. Yeah, it's a regular yeah. camp. It's just going to wound him. It'll blow up his pinky. full of whipped cream or something. Speaking of pinkies, uh, Flash wins the match. Uh, he's pronounced the winner, and Mad Dog gets up for one last uh, coup de gras. He's about to backstab his way to victory, but instead just trips and rips the dress off of Flash, where the whole room sees his pinky, much to the acclaim of the lady campers. <laughs> they can't control themselves. Uh, yeah. And he, he has the dress pulled off himself. He sees the reaction, takes a couple beats before he's like, I think I'm naked. And then he slowly <laughs> covers himself. But in the press conference afterwards, he was like, I didn't like that. I didn't like the way they react. I started talking pretty quick and covering myself up pretty quick. But if you look at the tape, it was at least 12 seconds. <laughs> topical. Uh, um, <laughs> sort of. I mean, it won't be topical when this comes out. So it looks like everybody's super happy. It cuts to the next day. Uh... Me, uh, now we we see never this. find out what happens to Mad Dog. No, we have no idea. But we, we, I'm assuming he is left to rot in a kennel in uh, Camp Patton. I mean, he's probably a shaved Sasquatch. Oh, that's actually probably where the name comes Just from. Just let him loose, yeah. But uh, so it's, you know, it's end of, end of camp. Uh, Meathead is about to go home. His, uh, his bunk buddies are all sad about so it. So the session for this camp is roughly three days. Yeah, it feels <laughs> yeah. like it. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, he as, he as he goes home to meet his Jewish alien father, he tells the <laughs> other other campers, Guta by Mullahs? Something like that. Now, Elliot, I just... Alienese. I want to ask, did, did you feel proud watching this movie... Saying that, like, did you feel like, oh, well, Charlene as well, I'm sorry. Judaism, you're like, oh, Judaism must be the true religion as it is spread through the galaxy. Through the galaxy I mean, that's exactly. one way to read it. Uh, mm-hmm. The other would be that Jews can never fully be human and are instead <laughs> alien creatures that were brought here from some other place. Yeah. And no matter how much we try to assimilate by wearing raincoats and, and sleeping in outhouses. <laughs> they're excited to eat. Hot ganup ganups. Ganup ganups. Which, yeah, with, like, Gnip, they, they might have all the, just... The, the game from the 70s? Quite possibly. I mean, they may yeah. have well just used Yiddish instead of Jewish <laughs> foods. It, the, the implication, I think the joke is supposed to be that, like, 
what would be more crazy than if this alien talked like an old Jewish man? But it really does feel like, all right, yeah, thanks for reinforcing that I guess we are deviant subhumans. <laughs> We're literally a different species, and we should go back to our home planet. Although, this li- this does have my one of my favorite lines in the movie, which is when uh, he goes, oh, how was, the, how was the vacation, Dad? And he goes, ah, uh, he's like, asteroids, uh, a lot of space junk, it's a real mess up there. And he's like, oh, sorry to hear about that, Dad. And it's like, <laughs> the way he dismisses space as a place to go, it's a real mess up there. It was genuinely the way that one of my parents would describe a trip that they take, or a restaurant they eat yeah. at, or anything that yeah. happens. What's, what's tough is that they had to work so hard when they were doing all that ADR work to match <laughs> yeah. the the slow-moving to not-moving-at-all mouth parts of the alien. But I don't understand how this alien flew all this way and uh-huh. then ended up in the only not Jewish camp. Yeah, well, that's another thing. That is <laughs> like, that camp Sasquatch is so non-denominational yeah, when there are like so many Jewish camps. Most camps are Jewish. Like, send your kid to the Jewish camp. There's a and there's an offensive joke in there that I'm not going to make. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it behind oh, and not touch I it. I was not going for that. <laughs> but many summer <laughs> yes. camps are Jewish. But it's yeah, it, they should have done their research. I guess yeah. is what it, I'm, my guess is that it was just on the way to wherever they were going. Yeah, and of course, at this point, we realize. The 87-minute adventure is almost up. <laughs> <laughs> the mo- the summer is called Just the Like the Summer. Meatballs, the 87-minute adventure. <laughs> Just Like the so Summer, funny. the movie is almost over. Oh, and, school uh, time. We... You know, to get our to get one final thread tied up, Cheryl drags uh, Flash behind a bus and gives him a big old kiss. Uh, I guess closing that loop forever. Uh, and then the buses drive off. I mean, if anything, she deliberately, she openly opens up the possibility of more kissing in the future. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like that's a closure of a loop, and then it continues on in cycles forever into madness. <laughs> so the buses pull away, and speaking of madness and cycles that never end, of course, Boomer. Of course, it's a ska revival, so madness uh, is there. Uh, Boomer is wandering after those buses with a canoe on his head. Much to Giddy's disappointment, and we the uh, to finally close out the loop. We are gifted with the song, waiting for the summer, summer and a sun and fun and a women. So you're saying, Stuart, that much like with the Star Wars prequels, what seems like a bad movie is in fact a brilliant movie because even though it is not entertaining, it repeats things. <laughs> I think you're right, Elliot. Yeah. Also, the Star Wars movies have a really strong uh, stance against uh, sand, which I kind of support. Okay, fair, fair. it gets everywhere, including your butt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now is the point of the podcast where we tie this part of the show up in a little bow <laughs> by making final judgments. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Charlene. <laughs> this is a good bad If it movie. was a joke, I would have laughed. <laughs> no, I, I think it she was delighted by been. how stupid my <laughs> way put that was. Uh, is if, I could, if I could go first for a minute, because yes. I have to run and do something real quick. Yeah, this is a good bad movie, bad bad movie. It's movie a bad, bad movie. There's okay. almost no movie in it. Okay, good. Now that Elliot's leaving, we didn't didn't say we're all actually in the same room because of uh, David uh, last name withheld. withheld, Elliot's brother, (laughs) yeah, Uh, his 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 birthday, his his wedding, his birthday. (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) His his graduation, his college graduation. (laughs) Um, Charlene. It's been a while since you've seen Meatballs 2. It clearly left a mark on you. That's why you picked it. What do you think? Um, well, I actually 
was pleasantly surprised <laughs> that um, I was a little worried picking a summer camp movie from the 80s. Uh-huh. And while there definitely were some offensive things, yeah. it was not nearly as offensive as I thought it could have been. Yeah. Um, there was no rape in it at all. That's true. <laughs> and, and, the highest recommendation. And even the, like, the homophobic stuff was was much lighter and it almost seemed like it was isolated to the villains. Yeah. yeah. And and then when when Flash came out in the dress and uh-huh. it was just like whatever, no one even really made fun of him. It was just kind of like fine. No. Uh, a um, dress that once again can I state in no way would fit John Larroquette. No. Um I think it was it was really stupid and fun to watch. I think it was a good bad movie. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to back you up on this. I think it was a fun, uh, it was a, a good bad movie because it is incredibly dumb and it is in that sweet spot of only 87 minutes yes, long. under 90 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and there's some dumb stuff and like, yeah, there's a couple of jokes that I'm not into, but, you know, uh, considering the time, it's not as bad as it could have been. Yeah, I, I'm going to go mild good bad. Like, I the thing is, for me, for the age I am, uh, like... To watch a really, really dumb 80s comedy that feels like, again, it could have been on USA Up All Night, even though it wasn't a sex comedy. Like, to watch that kind of movie is like, I don't know, like lying in a hammock and and, mm-hmm. and, and having a, a coconut drink. Like, it's, <laughs> it's so comfortable, you yeah. know? Like, it, it's just, it's such a pleasant feeling because of all the waves of nostalgia it brings on me, even though it's such a fucking terrible thing. Uh-huh. That I kind of enjoyed it, even though it was not good in any way. I don't think you have sense. to defend yourself, Dan. I think. Uh, <laughs> I do. All the time. I mean, I think we we all like our dumb, guilty pleasures, and uh, 80s teen A comedies just happen to be yours and should make you feel a little guilty. <laughs> no, there's terrible stuff in some of them. I, 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 you know, I recognize that. The stuff this that one I cannot watch. good stuff, like yeah. Aliens and. Uh, Predators. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Joe Firestone. And I'm Manolo Moreno. And we're the hosts of Dr. Game Show, which is a podcast where we play games submitted by listeners, regardless of quality or content, with in-studio guests and callers from all over the world. And you can win a custom a magnet. A custom magnet. Subscribe now to make sure you get our next episode. What's an example of a game, Manolo? Pokemon or medication. How do you play that? You have to guess if something's a Pokemon name or a Medi- medication. medication. First-time listener, if you want to listen to episode highlights and also know how to participate follow dr game show on facebook instagram and twitter we'd love to hear yeah, from you it's really fun for the whole family we'll be every other wednesday starting march 13th and we're coming to max fun snorlax pokemon yes nice. hey thanks for coming thank you, thank you. Thanks. these are real podcast listeners not actors we took the identifying marks off this podcast just tell me your impressions it's really sexy. My first thought is like, Radiolab? Definitely something popular. Yeah, really popular. A hit show. But funny, too. Like, does Tina Fey have a podcast? Or the Marx Brothers? Yeah, is this podcast Radiolab, but hosted by the Marx Brothers? And sexy, like Sade. It reminds me of Sade. Exactly. And they're all riding in a BMW. Close, but not quite. Take a look behind these panels. <gasps> oh. And then watch this rocket blast off into space. Whoa. And there's the pies we made you. Now, let's show you the podcast. 
Wow, it was Jordan Jesse Go. Jordan Jesse Go? Hold on. Oh. Whoa. Ooh. Oh my goodness. That was 514 JD Power and Associates Podcasting Awards. That was really scary. But compelling. I guess I should definitely subscribe to Jordan Jesse Go. Um, yeah. I'd say so. Jordan Jesse Go, a real podcast. Hey there, Stuart here. Now you guys all know of Howell Doughty, the mastermind of the former Song of the Summer, He's the House Cat, as well as one of the two hosts of hit podcast Till Death Do Us Party. Well, he's got a new album out, and it is back-to-back bangers, such as It's Gonna Stink, I'm a Rock, Illegal, Glossy. My skin fell off. And Howl Dottie featuring Tony Robot, Trash. Now you can listen to this at Spotify, Bandcamp, or wherever you listen to music. I don't know. Check it out, guys. Um, okay, so let's move on to ads. Okay, keep the lights on. And yeah, well, us. well, the good thing about ads is they help pay our bills. Yep. Stuart. Uh-huh. Um, Despite us having no skills. <laughs> yeah, uh, the first sponsor tonight is Squarespace. The Flophouse is sponsored in part by Squarespace. Uh-huh. A, it's a service that helps you create a website to turn your cool idea into, you know, an online portal of some kind. I'll, you know, I said online portal. Ellie's laughing at me. It's because... I just It was the of some kind. The copy says, create a beautiful website to turn your cool idea into a new website, which seems redundant. So I was trying on the fly to uh, use uh, my, my mind thesaurus to, yep. uh, to change things. The rarest but, of the dinosaurs, yeah. the mind thesaurus. But, uh, Terrible joke. Uh, you can also use Squarespace to blog or publish content, uh-huh. sell products and services of any kind, and do anything else your little heart desires on the internet. It's got beautiful customizable templates created by world-class designers, everything optimized for mobile right out of the box, a new way to buy domains and choose from over 200 extensions, free and secure hosting. Hey guys, head to squarespace.com slash flop for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch... Use the offer code FLOP to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Now, Dan, I was wondering if Squarespace would be able to help me with a with an online product, let's call it. Uh, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah now, most likely. Does it, uh, does it further establish your brand? Uh, not exactly, unless my brand is giving people what they want, which in this case is pinkies. Now, okay. until I watched Meatballs Part 2, I always thought of the pinky as just the least of the fingers. Uh-huh, the one yeah. that if I had to lose a finger, of course I'm going to choose that little guy, cute as he is. Uh-huh. But this movie, they're just constantly talking about pinkies, and I'm like, I'll give the people what they want. So, on pinkylook.com, it's your place for looking at pinkies, learning about pinkies. Uh-huh. You know, just find out what that little guy's doing on the end of your hand. Once again, we're not talking about uh, baby mice. No, not baby mice. We're talking about the pinky finger. Okay. Now, 
let's talk about fingers. You got your thumb. Uh-huh. He's the workhorse of the group. Sure, he's doing yeah. the most stuff, and he gets the yeah. least credit, or the most sometimes. Yeah. You got your pointer finger. He's good in the clutch. You want to identify something? He's the guy to go to. Mm-hmm. Middle finger, a bit of a bad boy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's, yeah. You know, he's a, he's rude, and he's got tooed. Ring finger, he's got one job. He does it mostly well. And then the pinky, who's kind of like the little kid. And so. Uh-huh. I didn't think people wanted to see him. Again, least of yeah, the he's fingers. The, like, what is that? Albert? Alfred? What's the little kid from the sitcom? <laughs> Oliver? Hardy? Oliver? Wait, I mean, which, which sitcom? sitcom? <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, one of them. Little kid. All, those oh, names the new have... kid from the Brady Bunch? Yeah. Oliver. Oliver. Yeah. Now, those names have been applied to children throughout time. You know, all of those names have been on a child at some point. Uh, so, pinkylook.com for any Meatballs Part 2 fans who are interested in looking at pinkies. Pinkyslook.com. And now on Squarespace. Um. According to Dan. Yes, and the Flophouse is also sponsored in part by yeah. Z-Man Games. Oh, yeah. The makers of Pandemic Rapid, rapid Response. Not Rampant mm-hmm. Response. Rapid Response. That's a different game. Sterling you play Chris. that? I do play that, yeah. <laughs> uh, look, disasters strike, and cities around the world are in desperate need of food, water, vaccines, and other supplies. With a specially equipped cargo plane, you and your team are uniquely capable of providing life-saving aid anytime, anywhere. Dan, can I pretend it's the cargo plane from Tailspin? You can. <laughs> that was a pretty unique ten cargo plane, right? <laughs> it was. In uh, that it was piloted by a bear? Now, how did he use a little fan to skateboard on the air? How did that happen? Well, it was one of those shows that takes place in the future and also the 40s. So, And they're all animals who talk, so I don't know, man. Okay. A tiger is a rich businessman, and a lion is a kind of absent-minded mechanic. So I think that you're asking one of many questions that I can't answer. Future in the 40s feels like uh, another George Lucas autobiography title. <laughs> uh, but to continue, Pandemic Rapid Response is a race against time. Roll dice to create su- supplies. Fly the plane and make deliveries to cities in need. As the timer counts down, you must quickly coordinate and work together to react to new disasters. Can you save humanity in time? Includes seven unique character roles and 24 Uh custom dice. Increase the difficulty with more city cards and add crisis cards for a new challenge. Find out more from... uh, Sorry. Find out more about... Pandemic Rapid Response at ZmanGames.com and grab your copy of the game from a target near you. Stuart was shaking his head I feel like, so dramatically as I bungled that last I part. feel like Dan did such a good job selling it. I can tell that Charlene is just aching to play board games with me now. What is the general area that the box takes up? <laughs> Yeah, Dan, in, does the in, copy explain how much shelf space <laughs> Pandemic Rapid Response takes up? It's a up? pretty small box, to be honest. It's yeah, not it's that big a, a box. It's got a lean profile. Yeah. Okay. Acceptable. Uh, but it packs a big <laughs> punch in terms of fun and excitement. Yeah, it's good. It's fun. I've talked about it before, uh, but it's uh, for a cooperative game, I think it adds a couple of new twists, and it's great for kind of players of all different skill levels. It's and really it's, cool. it's not a game that drags on. No, it is a, it's, it's a, it's a nice, game, so. nice slim game, mm, both like in size that. and length of time it <laughs> occupies in your life. Time of game. Uh, oh, Stuart, what's what's that? <laughs> I sent you a jumbotron. Oh Do yeah, you remember that? Oh, yeah, Let's talk amongst ourselves while Stuart uh, looks up that jumbotron. So what did you guys talk about while well, I was certainly not in the bathroom? <laughs> um, I think it was mostly about how we all agreed it was a good bad movie. 
in defiance you of your what? will. You know what? Maybe it is a good no. <laughs> I apologize. I was having trouble thinking because I needed to go do something that certainly did not involve the bathroom. But maybe it is a good... The theory's thing about Meatballs Part 2 that makes it maybe a little good bad. It made me just... What you can't see is that I literally I put a stick in the turbine that starts up the Jumbotron. So it's trying to start up the can. That... It, it it made me nostalgic for the days when a movie didn't really have to have any content. Yep. <laughs> I watched the movie and I was like, that was in theaters? <laughs> it was barely a thing. So let's start up that Jumbotron. Check out the hilarious uh, You Don't Know Jackie show wherever podcasts are heard. That is the call to action. I'll say it again in a moment. First order of business. Shout outs to the very best bad movie podcast, The Flophouse. Wow. Sincerely. <laughs> It's weird that I'm saying that about my own podcast, but that's cool. Uh, sincerely, not trying to kiss ass, we really do appreciate the hundreds of entertaining hours you've provided over the years. Second order of business, shameless promotion of our podcast, You Don't Know Jackie. We're three friends, all named Jackie, who fight crime, take no prisoners, and always please that booty. We do none of those things, but you can catch us Chewing the Fat every Wednesday on your podcast app. So once again, call to action is check out the hilarious You Don't Know Jackie show wherever podcasts are heard. And based on the description of the show, I don't know Jackie. <laughs> you may never but know I, Jackie. But I'd like to know. I like that <laughs> attitude. And I, of course, like nice words about our podcast here. The mm-hmm. They know how to butter us up. And Dan and Elliot are playing down. some kind of mobile game right now on their phones. <laughs> yeah, it's we're called, texting each other. Yeah, boy, we're didn't like Stuart, Stuart do a great job reading uh, that joke? Oh, wow, it's so nice of you guys. <laughs> uh, what do we do now in this podcast? I, uh, well, next we go to letters. Sorry, I, we were confused about what we were each doing. Well, after. I just want to double check that I didn't have a Jumbotron to read. Oh, no, you but didn't. Why would I? Why would I ever get to read a Jumbo? No, there was only one, and I made a call, and Stuart. No, you made the right call. Stuart's everybody's favorite. He's the party animal. And Dan knew that I was going to kill it in the summary portion of this podcast. Yeah, that's true. And he's like, let's just keep feeding that beast. (laughs) Let's keep the stew times rolling. Yeah. um, uh, We should plug our shows, I suppose. That was. Uh, part that of why was, was a nice, nice little rhyme there. Shows, I suppose. Part of why I was confused was I thought maybe that's where you were. Oh, no. On the Flophouse website looking up the old shows. Well, I'll tell you about those shows. We got live shows coming up in two different st- cities. You heard me. Two different cities. The first one, it's Boston. Well, technically it's not Boston. I think it's technically Brookline. But it's close enough to Boston that we are calling it Boston. And so we are going to be at... WBUR City Space on, was it September 28th? September 28th. I am also on the website right Saturday, now. Saturday, <laughs> we have two shows. The 7 p.m. show is still sold out. The 9.45 show, though, still has some tickets. So come see us late night. Now, even if you're seeing the 7 p.m. show, we will be doing two different shows, talking about two different movies. So if you Two think, different presentations. If you think you can stand four hours of this <laughs> then just buy then tickets you are a fool sir <laughs> or madam buy tickets, or non-binary person then buy tickets to both those shows again that's September 28th in Boston, Massachusetts area 
Uh, it's a Saturday, 7 p.m. and 9.45 p.m. at WBUR City Space. And then in October, Shocktober, some might call it, uh, we're going to be in Los Angeles. That's right, my hometown, October 12th. We're going to be at the Regent Theater. We're returning, but this time we're bringing something special. Stuart, because hopefully, <laughs> and Charlene, I'm asking you to really take care of him. I'll hopefully take... his back yeah. will not keep him from traveling cross-country again. He's been doing all of his back exercises. So, just to remind you, those on the East Coast, or as I call it now, the Least Coast, especially <laughs> you massholes out there, go on September 28th to see us in Boston, 7 o'clock show and 9.45 show. Again, 7 o'clock show sold out. And then in October 12th, we'll be on the West Coast, or as I now call it, the Best Coast, at the Regent Theater. That's October 12th in L.A., September 28th in Boston. Come see us live. We're going to be talking movies and doing presentations, and then maybe, just maybe, making some dreams come true. <laughs> probably not that last Well, thing. maybe if your dream is to see us watch movies, talk yeah. about movies. Yeah, probably, yeah. Uh, so does the, the prospect of us doing a bunch more out-of-town shows fill you with stress and dread having to herd us and corral us into uh, make our actual show times? Um, I've already booked all of the lodging, so uh-huh. that's off my plate. Um, and... Yeah, I'm wondering how late how late the Boston show is going to go and how tired we're going to be at the end of that. Well, pretty late and pretty tired. And pretty will tired. I fall asleep we probably, during... We probably yeah, sure. will not <laughs> hang out with people in Boston like we usually do. We will probably go right back to the hotel. Was it during the Minneapolis show where afterwards Charlene was like, Stuart, I didn't fall asleep at all during the show. Yeah, yeah that I, was the big achievement. <laughs> um... Yeah. Yes, I was sitting next to somebody at a show not too long ago that was like, is something wrong with her? Because I kept nodding off. <laughs> she was wondering if she was supposed to catch me. <laughs> and you were like, no, 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 no. I was like, I'm no, married to that guy. I just, I'm, I'm sometimes sick of him. not off. <laughs> yeah. I'm just tired. Well, she's used to hearing my voice speak uh, when I read the uh, Song of Ice and Fire novels out loud to her in bed, and it puts her to, <laughs> puts her to sleep. <laughs> Even though I'm doing cool character voices, which is fucking crazy, man. Dude, I want to hear some of those. What does Sandor sound like? He sounds like this. Hey, man, it's me, Sandor Clegan. <laughs> no way. Hey, what does, right. does Brienne sound like? Hey, it's Hey, Brian! Oh, I'm a knight! Well, what about, like, uh, what about Bran? What about Bran? Hey, it's me, the Thrawn Crow himself! Bran Stark! Okay, what about, like, uh, Daenerys? Oh, it's me, Daenerys! Watch out for my dragons! What about, like, Varys? Oh, it's me, Varys! Watch out for my spiders! (laughs) What about, like, uh, 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 there's other characters in that. Watch out for me! I'm... Hodor! <laughs> wow, you're saying a lot more than you normally do, Hodor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is a part of the book you haven't gotten to yet, Dave. Okay, cool. Anyway, well, that was a delight. Let's move on to letters. <laughs> this first letter. And I drift off to nighttime. <laughs> <laughs> I who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? Who would you know nothing, Jon Snow. <laughs> All right, this one, this first letter uh, from listeners. This is a thing we do. We we answer letters from listeners. <laughs> Thanks for looking seems, at me to confirm. Seems like I, the most explanatory title you can have for the no, segment. No, I just felt like for uh, if a new uh, listener came along, I want to explain. You're right. They'd be like letters from listeners. What could that be? Is it like <laughs> listeners to something? I don't know what. He hasn't explained. They send them, what, giant letters? I don't know why I'm assuming that they send them to him. Maybe Dan is just guessing what letters have come out of listeners I'm, I'm lately. some kind of a person who has decided for some reason to listen to two hours of nonsense. <laughs> About Meatballs Part 2. <laughs> 
All right. Uh, thanks for insulting our new listener, Stuart. Our new listener who, <laughs> oh, wow. who has decided that they need a new meatball recipe and is waiting for us to get to it. Yeah. Here's what you do. Yeah, it's Brian Doyle Murray hoping to hear about his brother Bill. <laughs> you make turkey meatballs and you put spinach in it. All right. Mm. Kids that, love it. Sounds great. Sounds good. The taste. No, it tastes delicious. It's a reference to a thing my wife and I talk about. Oh, okay. Well, I'm, I hope the audience at home really get the most of it. Maybe my father will listen to this episode. That's, oh yeah, that's true. That's like at at, uh, at my brother's wedding. Uh, my sister and I made reference to something that a tour guide in Hawaii once told us when we were a kid uh, when David tried to do something he wasn't supposed to do and I looked at my wife like, isn't that hilarious? I was like, wait, I think you've never heard this story. So I was forgetting who knows things and who doesn't. I've been there. Uh, this first letter is from Nick, last name withheld, mm-hmm. who writes, we seem to be in a mini renaissance of monster romance movies. The Shape of Water won Best Picture, and Venom has found an audience interpreting the relationship between Eddie Brock and the titular space monster as a romantic one. This is a very mini-renaissance. Vampires and werewolves have been seen as sexy for decades, and now Gilman and alien parasites have a seat at the table. But what's your dream monster romance product? Project, sorry. Not product. Mm-hmm. We'll talk that about No, no, it's, it's a bit, it's a blow up Godzilla I can have sex with. Is that the product I'm talking about? What is your dream, monster? I have a blow up Godzilla, but when I try to put put somebody, when I try to insert into it, wow, it, it pops it. You didn't even let him finish the, the, the letter before what he answered the question. <laughs> what is your dream monster romance project? Oh. What wow, monster okay. or monsters would play the leading role? Would it be a straight romance, a gay or lesbian one? And is the world finally ready? For your Babadook and Pennywise on Fire Island pitch. Keep up the good work, Nick Last Name Withheld. I mean, I assume that's cool. what we it prob- part two is about. Yeah, we probably got to slap a couple of fat TMs on this next segment, right? <laughs> Nobody steals our cool ideas. Oh, I thought you meant because we'd be talking about probably copyright characters. <laughs> oh, yeah, that too. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what kind of characters Wait, we, we because we're talking about copyright cater characters, if we slap TMs on it, that means they're ours now? No, yeah. no. Yeah. Or, they can't Mickey Mouse, TM, TM. <laughs> no, that's not how TMs work. You get my attorney on the line. He says it's good. No, really. Yeah, we got one of those, like, stretchy stick-a-mans we got out of a gachapon machine that we, like, put the TM on it. Okay, so, speaking of gachapon machines, I think my fantasy monster romance set in ye olden fantasy times and it is a romance between a suit an animated suit of armor that maybe has uh you know like somebody's spirit uh uh stuck to it uh it's been animated by an evil wizard who's trying to protect uh, i don't know a tower uh, i don't know maybe it's a fortune or something and that uh and that suit of living armor uh st- starts a loving relationship with kind of an ooze or a jelly or a gelatinous cube that normally just devours the bodies of adventurers who sneak into this tower and are killed by the living armor. But then, like, they realize that the two of them, you know, they kind of feel a need in the other. Like, the the suit of armor can't feel anything at all. It's just iron and uh, steel, whereas the... The giant's cube is basically just like nothing but sensation, and like maybe the maybe the the blob like slips through the cracks of the armor and like fill like fills up the armor in a way, and like at the same time feels protected by the armor. 
As for your question about is it uh, straight or gay, I, I think that's unrelated <laughs> and unnecessary because it could kind of be almost. Uh, I don't know why you would limit yourself to gendering. Uh, your, your story was so close to Calvino's The Non-Existent Night until that gelatinous cube came in. I was gonna be like, oh man, Stuart, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, one thing I'll say is the Gill Man has always been sexy. So let's just put a pin in that, okay? Yeah. Guillermo del Toro yeah, yeah, didn't yeah. make it sexy. It's I mean, the Gill Man sexy. used to have that kind of like, uh, that like constantly frowny mouth, mouth kind of like uh, the George Gremlin from Gremlins 2. Yeah. Just like, just <laughs> the one that looks like Telly Savalas, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it looks like John Taffer from Bar Rescue. <laughs> yeah, uh, but he, it, it was like very pouty. That was like a pouty Gill Man mouth, you know? Yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, um, I don't know. I wonder. You know, I've always wondered about the relationship between Gamera and all those little Japanese kids wow, that he has gross. relationships with. Or, but maybe she, like one of those uh, one of those kids grows up, becomes a I guess legal age in this case to romance a monster. Is well, that what you're talking about? Kind of, well, I literally I literally wrote a short story once, and I've not found it wasn't very good. I haven't found the right thing, but where that's a date between basically a woman who just experienced King Kong. And a, a the grown up kid from Gamera, and just that they're these two characters who, they're the only ones who can really relate to each other's experiences yeah. because they're the only people who've had these experiences with monsters that were both terrifying but also very strangely intimate, and mm-hmm. I could never really pull it off. Gentle, so maybe also someday. in a way like defenders of children. I mean, Gamera is very much a defender of children. King Kong is just out for what King Kong wants, mm-hmm. you know, to he, get as tall as possible. Yeah, to get as high as possible, which he just needs to take some marijuana, I guess, and make it <laughs> if make him alien, float yeah. if he's an alien. Well, why couldn't King Kong be an alien, huh? Hollywood, uh-huh. give me the job for yeah, your movie, weird. King Kong in Space. Uh, I'm just going to pick two, uh, two monsters I like. I'm going to say the Spider Gremlin and the Tarman Zombie from Return of the Living Dead mm-hmm. uh, yep. go out on a date. Uh-huh. You know, they find each other on Hinge. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, they got friends. They got friends in common. They got mutuals. I hear that there's a good place that does like a like a lobster roll near us. Yeah. We'll check it out. Tarman and Robert Picardo uh, went to college together. Yeah. (laughs) So they're Facebook friends. So they met at the wedding between Robert Picardo and the Lady Gremlin. Yeah. Yeah. And they, you know, they eventually they you know marry, get together, have really. They marry before they get together. They get really. They have really gooey. Little uh, spider groom ones. Oh yeah, like a, kind of a sad, like revolutionary road type thing. Yeah. Oh, that's, really? That's, <laughs> yeah, that's wait, so story. which one is DiCaprio and which one is Winslet in that scenario? I'll let you figure that one out. Charlene, I'm sure you have lots of thoughts on um, this. Well, so. Um, so so Dan sent me a part of this question ahead of time. <laughs> Dan is so not very good at giving us the so context be, for questions. I so I wouldn't this. be caught off guard. Um, and I'm not that familiar with monsters um so i thought you just wanted us to ship two monsters yeah that's um, basically what, okay. what we're doing okay um so i don't know that many and i had already picked the lady gremlin and you just mentioned her so oh sorry that's okay but, was but i was gonna ship her with you know the guy from the muppet movies that like they always leave Sweetums? without Sweetums. they always leave is that sweetums yeah. the one who's like oh yeah i'll go get my bag and he comes yeah, out yeah. and he's like guys yeah him and the lady grandma. So the, so the Muppets leave and Sweetums is standing there and as the Muppets <laughs> bus pulls away, like what? Like, don't you forget about no, me? They, don't, they don't have the bus at that point. And they, <laughs> that's why in. they're there is because they're getting a car. Getting a car, that's where they buy the... No, a, a hot pink Angeline style 
uh, convertible drives up, and the lady gremlin looks out at Sweetums <laughs> and lowers her shades and goes, mmm. <laughs> Yeah. And you know, romance begins. Did I mention jumps. Lady Gremlin and Brighter Frankenstein are also Thelma and Louising at that moment? <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> so that's, Wait, does that make Sweetums the Brad Pitt? Sweetums is very much the Brad Pitt. In the oh scenario. no, yeah. he's a bad guy. That, that, he, that all he, works out a, for him, a, right? You know, he's a rogue. <laughs> it works out for everyone. <laughs> it works out for everybody. Yeah, <laughs> happy endings all around. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, that's like a Sarlacc pit type ending, right? Uh, I mean, in that <laughs> if someone falls into something. Yeah, but then they they get uh, they blast their way out in the uh, the extended universe stuff, right? Uh, yeah, sure. Thelma yeah, Thelma Louise. Louise, they blast their way out of the Grand Canyon. <laughs> I also like the idea that that's like a, like a Hollywood phrase that people say. <laughs> like, and then you know it's got a Sarlacc pit pit ending. Well, it's like jump the shark is Sarlacc ending. Yeah. This, uh, this so we get the characters of where they go. Sarlacc pit. Sarlacc pit. Sarlacc pit. End of the day, everybody's happy. Okay, so now we end TM. Okay. So just ending that ellipsis. This. <laughs> oh well, I just I had one more. Th- actually, I had one more thing, okay. and we can reopen the TMs. Yeah, yeah. The alien and the predator both have weird mouths, but they seem like they'd be able to kiss each other. So. Yeah, uh, why are you always versusing? Why guys? are we always pitting aliens and predators against each other when they're a true match? I've yeah. mentioned this before on the podcast, I'm sure, but there's the moment where in alien the first alien versus predator movie where it seems like destined like our female lead and the uh the predator are going to kiss and they don't and if they had i would have loved that movie forever but yeah. they didn't and i hate that movie forever <laughs> and maybe you know what the lady cenobite from hellraiser uh which is that's her technical name according to la- the internet is female cenobite i just match her up with bill pullman from mr wrong starring ellen degeneres <laughs> <laughs> he's a monster i guess he, he is, is a stalker a he is a monster yeah, he's right. a crazy person it's not a funny movie because it's genuinely kind of frightening yeah yeah mm-hmm and also the jokes are not good but you know why not match them up so NTM TM TM uh, Mary Tyler Moore Productions <laughs> so this next letter is from Ryan last name withheld who writes Ryan I was in O'Neal. a gi- <laughs> I was in a gift shop <laughs> big name in Ryan Park Johnson, City huh? during a trip with some friends when I spotted a gift mug that was inscribed with a quote eat drink and be merry for tomorrow you may be in Utah I turned to my friend and said, hey, look at this cool reference to that awesome Dave Matthews Band song. My friend informed me that the original quote was from the Bible. <laughs> In a similar vein. Well, I mean, DMB is kind of the Bible for a lot of bros out there. <laughs> similar vein. The lacrosse community. I recently watched the 1942 film To Be or Not To Be and realized it was a clear source of inspiration for some of Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards. Can you recall any moments when you discovered that an idea or piece of culture from a movie that you thought was entirely original actually had its roots in an earlier movie or work of art? Keep on flopping in the free world, Ryan, last name withheld. You know, uh, this doesn't uh, exactly answer the question, but the thing that uh, that I've seen a lot is when I have either either me or a friend has really loved a cover song, thinking it was the original, and then being uh, sad when they found like my favorite uh, Judas Priest song for the longest time was um, uh, Diamonds and Rust. Diamonds and Rust, which is not a Judas Priest original, but no. it's great and it, it totally fits that band, uh, and also like. Uh, uh, I, had, I had a friend who was talking uh, nonstop about his favorite song off of the Crow soundtrack, uh, the Nine Inch Nails cover of the song Dead Souls. And when I told him it was originally a Joy Division song, he was like visibly depressed. <laughs> 
Uh, don't look at me next, because I'm still thinking. I mean, Even though I had this letter <laughs> longer than any of the rest of you. Didn't have a wedding to best man at. No, it's keeping no, you busy. I have no excuse. <laughs> Are you, and it's the weekend, yes? Uh, I mean, <laughs> so it's I mean, not I like work was, was getting in the I way. I was pretty busy yesterday, but yes. <laughs> pretty busy. I'm glad you threw the qualifier on there. <laughs> well, that leads me to my movie, uh-huh. Pretty Woman. Uh-huh. Because when I first saw it, I had no idea that it was based off of um, Pygmalion. Mm, I think you're right. And (laughs) My Fair Lady, Uh um, which we just recently saw, although the ending was different. Oh, did you see the Broadway version of it? We did. Yeah, with uh, that Laura Benanti. Oh, man. It was it was really good. People are going oh, bananas that, for Benanti. The Lincoln Center production? Yeah, it was great. Oh, that's yeah. so, so good. So good. They and do the a great staging, job putting on classic musicals. And, and the original Aunt May from the Sam, Ra- Sam Raimi movies. Oh, she's so funny. She's so great. Well, I didn't see it. So, oh, that that was the point I'm when, sorry, you can't brag about seeing a theater performance for once. When she, when she, when she came out, I was like, surely that's him. <laughs> and I was like, what? We were. Uh... You see, Henry Higgins with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> linguistic power, linguistic responsibility. Uh, I don't, I'm sure there's, there's none that come to mind, but there are many times like it's similarly like when you see. I, for the longest time, I didn't. I would things that I thought were just jokes, like we don't need no stinking badges. I would see mm-hmm. in things, mm-hmm. and it wasn't yeah. two years later that I saw Treasure of the Sierra Madre. I'm like, oh, this is a reference to a movie that. Yeah. No, I don't know anyone talks about you know yeah. when I was a kid you know, but no. I didn't expect me to know that joke you know. That happens all the time, and that's like Bugs Bunny. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I saw Spaceballs long before I ever saw the chestburster scene from Alien. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, oh, sorry. No, I was going to I think that that's honestly kind of the best I can come up with, too, is that I can't think of a specific, but growing up, I think, is a long process in some ways of realizing, like, oh, that joke was a reference. It wasn't just funny itself. It was like, like there's a thread on the Flophouse Facebook group right now that's all about, like, uh, stuff in The Simpsons that you realize meant something different once you were an adult. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's, like, I think a large part of of watching the Simpsons was that for me? Like yeah. I watched the the Bobo episode of the Simpsons, for instance, when I was a kid, and I knew like, oh, okay, Rosebud's a Citizen Kane reference because that's a famous reference. But then you like watch Citizen Kane, you go back to it and you're like, oh, like a ton of this is 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 that from the episode Citizen where they Kane. do the whole song and dance? There yes. is a man, a certain exactly. man, exactly. That's directly. Pers- <laughs> and then uh, also, I think I think we all have that moment in our lives that it's just universal when we're shocked to find out that Brewster Million, Brewster's Millions is a story that goes back like a hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> and they've made multiple films of it and not just the one with John Hughes on TBS all the time. never seen Brewster's Millions. Uh, is it the same as uh, that's with Richard Pryor, right? Yeah, is I mean, it the one same of them. As, is it the same as the toy? No, I've seen no, that. no different God, not the same as the toy. No. Oh boy, the toy is I mean, I didn't buy the fucking tickets, dude. I was a little kid. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 toy that my parents hired bought the tickets. <laughs> uh, last letter. And even in the toy, there's a part where there's a there's like a painting that mm. is there's a nude version of it. They press a button and the clothes come off of it, and that I think is a um, is a take off of uh, what artist is it? I forget who did uh, who did this a twinned portraits of this one woman, one where she has clothes on, one where she has clothes off. Mm. And as a kid, I was just like, that's crazy. And now I'm like, were they trying to put like a 
fine art joke in the toy because that was wasted on the audience. Or maybe the people that I babysat for had one of those pens, and when you click it, the clothes they come, come off. off. Yeah, yeah. So there's a wait. I thought <laughs> you would turn the pen upside down, the clothes would come off, not yeah, click it. A couple different versions out there. Dan's familiar with the patents. So <laughs> there was there was a uh, uh, there was like an athletic center that they used to have in my. It's called a rec center. Oh, sorry, re, but it was like a sports club. It was like a it was like an athletic club that they would have this community event. Still at. possible to bulldoze it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, no. It's oh, is that not, the definition? Not that, my watch. That if it's if it's bulldozable, it's a rec oh, center. We'll, we'll solve this after. Pretty red dancing. That's gonna solve. Because you can't bulldoze a state. Right over. <laughs> there, there was a uh, there, every, once a year. There was like this community event that my family would force uh, the whole family would go to. My parents would force us to go to. And in the men's room, the light switch, the light switch plate was uh, had a drawing of a tennis player with his pants down and a look on his face like, oh no. And the light switch was his, I guess, in the place of his penis. So it was like, <laughs> in order to turn the light on or off, he had to flick his penis. And I remember it being like. This is weird. <laughs> this is like, weird. You would think you would be much happier about this situation. <laughs> and I assume it's in the men's room because women, upon seeing this light switch, would be unable to control themselves. Yeah. But it's still strange. It's <laughs> meatballs too, yeah. uh, Last letter. This is from Aaron and Emily. Um, I hope I am pronouncing their names correctly, but... Uh, Probably not. Let's start now, Dan. Aaron and Emily write, Hello, my fiancé and I are big fans of the Flophouse. We're getting married in October, and we'd love to be able... Congratulations. We'd love to be able to play the Flophouse theme song at our wedding immediately after our ceremony. The Flophouse theme song has been the prelude to so many hours of entertainment and happiness, and it seems fitting that we use it at the opening to our new life together. I think the normal Flophouse IP fee of $700,000 may be somewhat outside of our budget, but if you give us permission to use the song, I promise to bake you an award-winning pie. Thanks, Aaron and Emily. Now, I took the liberty to already give the permission for this... Uh, uh, thanks, what are we Dan? even I here for? A Wait. Democracy. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a cheerocracy. <laughs> but um, but I, I, I will... I am here to tell you that there... The pie in question is in my fridge at this moment. Oh. What? Is this the part of the, the portion of the show where we eat pie? <laughs> yep. It's yep. As every, it's Charlene is a constant flop out loser. She does every episode ends where we eat some pie on the mic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think we should do it on mic, but the pie exists if you guys want well, to Well, what if we just ask Mike to lie down and we put the pies on him? <laughs> we'll have a little pie later. Uh, will, will it be as exciting as the time we opened gifts on mic? <laughs> slowly unwrapping you're this so, thing. You're like, why are you still angry about this? I mean, it's situation? literally the most popular type of video anyone watches <laughs> yeah, in the world. Yeah, true. If that was our podcast, we would be Ugh. three times as opening big. Opening presents. Dan yeah. could if finally the thing quit we the opened flop house, was you like... could quit your bars, I could quit doing what I love, which is being a dad. <laughs> <laughs> if the thing we were opening was like a true crime murder, we would be the most popular podcast. Yeah, we're opening boxes and there's unsolved mysteries inside. Uh-huh. <laughs> No, but the I guess that's just an thing uncomforting is, thing. Yeah. Number one, someone out there is, uh, let's say, um, what? No, I, I don't want to insult them. Uh, what? Uh, a, del- a delightful person who wants to put our podca- our song in their wedding. Yeah, I think that's uh-huh. really sweet. Which seems yeah. like a harebrained scheme to me, but I love it. I love it. I love it that that it's that important to them. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. It's wonderful. I don't like the way I'm finding out about this after. Everything's been said and done, and so <laughs> the long the dust the pie has already, has already been baked and sent. I did not want to. It seemed like 
It seemed like a request that I did not want to make them, uh, leave them hanging on the telephone, if you will. Oh, like in the Blondie song, which is actually not a Blondie song. It's mm-hmm. a Nerves song, but a lot of people know it's a Blondie cover. When I found that out, I was surprised. Yeah. Mm. Now, is if this, does, uh, what, what flavor of pie is it, Dan? It's a bourbon pecan pie. Okay. Mm-hmm. It, uh, at least it doesn't have fruit, so Elliot's allowed to eat it. Yeah. I actually did say, like, <laughs> do not send a fruit pie to Elliot. <laughs> you should have just told them to make it a meat pie. <laughs> Perhaps made out of a, a freshly cake. shaved Londoner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, yeah, Dan, that was, that was the right call. I mean, you could have emailed us and said, hey, is this cool? But, you know. I don't think that we're going to get really that... Worried about our our theme song IP. I don't think I don't think Pachelbel gets called up when his cannon <laughs> is used in people's weddings. They're shooting off cannons at people's weddings. <laughs> is the old man from Mary Poppins getting married? No, it's good. You're right. Taco Bell is not getting called <laughs> when, when their cannon is played. What if you, you ordered Taco Bell's cannon from the DJ and they're like, "I got Taco Bell's cannon." And it's just that it's just the bell sound and maybe like that Spanish version of the We Are Young song that played that commercial at one time. What if their walk down the aisle goes viral and they do some kind of a flash mob and then you don't get any of that flash mob internet mm-hmm. money? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dan, what do we what do we do then? Speaking as someone who has seen his creative work go viral and receive zero pennies for it. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. No. I I I am delighted that we have been able to contribute in any small way to this romance. I mean, if it's, well, guys, if it's so important to them that they want to make a part of the wedding, then I'm really touched and I'm really happy that we were... And I think, I think Dan's taken his lumps and it's time to move on to the next part of the podcast. <laughs> wow. Okay, the next Stuart segment is, is Dan Lumps. A real taskmaster. He's like, <laughs> we got to get to that pie. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, I assume this when Dan just saw the word pie and just wrote, yes, 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 yes. Last uh, segment is, of course, recommendations of uh-huh. movies that we have seen and enjoyed that, uh, you know, even if we were pretty pleasant on uh on this silly movie uh maybe you should watch instead of meatballs part two and uh mine is inspired my recommendation is inspired by um meatballs part two i said earlier that one of the uh larger roles for one of the head counselors in this movie is a guy who's been a lot of Dante movies i have not seen a lot of movies recently that um i was like this is great. I got to recommend it on the podcast. So I'm going to go back to a, a Joe Dante movie that is little seen compared to some of his other ones. And that's Matinee, uh, where John Goodman stars as basically a William Castle type. I would say John Goodman's not the star of the movie. Well, I'd say okay. the teens are the stars. There's a bunch of teens. John Goodman is the big name in the movie. There's yeah. a bunch of teens. Uh, it's in a small town with a. With a, there's, they're having a, a movie premiere there. Mm-hmm. Um, John Goodman, as I said before, is a William Castle type who like is an exploitation filmmaker with a gimmick for every movie. And his newest movie is Mant. It's taking place during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, they through several shenanigans, they think that the nukes ha- are flying. Uh, you know, laughs and nostalgia ensue. If you like old. Um, Wait, I was, I was just looking at Twitter. Is Dan recommending matinee? You know yeah. it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you see Matt, Did you recommend it on the show? Before? No, I didn't recommend okay. it, but I remember seeing it in the theater when I was a little shaver. I really like man uh, matinee. Like, look, I really like it's Joe Dante movie. movies yeah. in general. Like matinee, I feel like the it starts out a little slowly, but it it snowballs really nicely. I feel like by the end of the movie, everything is firing really well, and uh, it's just very funny and enjoyable and just like 
Is that the one where they like either put the tingler in the uh, in the the theater seats, or they're like trying to one up the tingler or something? It's, yeah, it's basically that. Yeah. You know, if you've, if you've got about any, firing on all cylinders, you know. If you've got any affection for like the idea of like exploitation filmmaking at all, and no, then, I think by exploitation yeah. filmmaking, we should make sure. What you mean is B movies. You don't mean this is not grindhouse movies. No, I'm not like these are Vincent Price. I'm not like blood sucking freaks or whatever. No, this, this is, is like, like this is like a movie where they're like in Spookavision, and it means a skeleton yeah, on house a fishing on line the hills or whatever. Yeah. Thirteen ghosts, all that stuff. Well, why not just make it twelve ghosts? What's that thirteenth ghost doing for you? Now you have it's an a, odd number of seats at the a table. Baker's, a baker's dozen. A ghost. What baker's <laughs> sent out ghosts? A, a devil's dozen of it's, ghosts. You get to eat the one ghost on the way home, and you still get to go home with a dozen ghosts. Well, the lucky one is the one who has the ghost with the little toy in it, and they oh, win. Yeah. They're the king of Christmas. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyone else have movies? Anyone? <laughs> Take this curse from me. Uh, well, in uh, I'm gonna have to say I was inspired by Meatballs Part Two, of course. Uh, I'm going to recommend another summer movie. That's right. I'm recommending Midsummer. <laughs> as summer in the title. And boy, what a blast we have. Uh, it's the se- second feature directed by Ari Aster. Uh, it's about a couple of young college kids just trying to have a little bit of fun in, in the sun and sun in, in the fun. In. Uh, and so they travel to Sweden to uh, examine some of the cultural anthropology of some of the uh, summer festivals there. And let's just say things go a little bit off the rails. Um, the movie's fun. It does exactly what you think it's going to do all the time in a great way. It's super fun. Watch it. Midsummer by Ari Aster. Recommended by me, Stuart. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to recommend another uh, movie of the summer, I guess, uh-huh. in that it's summer right now. So if you watch it, it becomes a movie of the summer. I recently watched The Sisters Brothers starring Joaquin Phoenix and John C. Riley and uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Riz Ahmed. And it is a Western, but it is a Western that vacillates wildly between comedy and not comedy. And I really liked that it was a movie where I thought I knew where it was going and I thought I knew it was happening and I did not know where it was going and what was happening. Not in the sense of there's like, there's no twist that makes you rethink, rethink things, but just that the movie's tone is kind of free with where it goes and it was one of Joaquin Phoenix's funnier performances that I've seen recently and he's someone who can be very funny when he wants to be yeah like in uh, You Were Never Really Here (laughs) yeah exactly and one of John C. Riley's more like I feel like he's fallen most things I see with him in nowadays are like Holmes and Watson type things because he mm-hmm. likes being a clown. He's got like yeah, such a like soul. We to need him. to talk about Kevin. Yeah, he's yeah exactly <laughs> goof him ups. Yeah, something like that. Well, not all of his movies, but lately. <laughs> anyway, uh, but I really liked it a lot, and I couldn't tell where it was going from moment to moment, and it surprised me. And it was a little bit like uh, I don't know if someone gave like uh, an art filmmaker enough money to get some big stars to make a western. And I really liked it. Cool. It was the closest I've come to seeing a movie that reminded me of the book The Hawkline Monster. So if you like the book The Hawkline Monster, go see The Sisters Brothers. Okay. This is completely unrelated to all the movies that <laughs> you guys recommended, and it has nothing to do with the summer, but I did see it recently on a plane. Okay. Um, I recently rewatched The Devil Wears Prada, uh-huh. and I would like to recommend two-thirds of it. Okay. Which, which which two thirds? The first two. The first two thirds. The first two thirds of it. Um, Mainly for the scene where Emily Blunt sees uh, sees uh, your your friend, your friend Anne Hathaway, 
sees her after she gets a makeover and she does that slow motion like jaw drop like no way <laughs> um it it stars <laughs> you're, you're recommending the two-thirds that don't have adrian greenier in them <laughs> yes exactly it stars meryl streep mm-hmm. um and as the titular devil as the, as the titular devil and she does an amazing performance um and i feel like the the movie that I watched seemed to say, you know, work really hard at, and you can be as awesome as, you know, this Meryl Streep character. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like the movie like took a turn at the end and was trying to say the opposite. So don't, don't watch the end. That's stupid. Just watch it up until, um, she, after she gets the makeover and, um, you know, yeah, and starts and she's on the top of her game. And yeah. her friends are like, "You've changed." And it's like, "You knew me in college. I hope I changed because I was eating fucking ramen and like sitting like sleeping on a mattress surrounded by reptiles magazines and porno mags." <laughs> and, wait, is there a difference? <laughs> and her boyfriend is a chef and he doesn't understand that she works long hours. That's the so that craziest drives me crazy. Fucking part. I kind of feel like a lot of these movies are like that have like this same like arc in them these hollywood movies are written by people who are in hollywood and like okay i'm in a high pressure job where there's a lot of competition i need to discourage people from trying to excel <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's it it's like if you if you work really hard you're never going to get a boyfriend it's like yeah, no one wants that boyfriend. Just work. Yeah, the it's like, do you think that the person who's writing all those sitcoms where women get jobs at magazines is like, name I them? Which which ones are those? To have a <laughs> job at, at the Just Shoot Me magazine. <laughs> There's no way if all these young women keep taking my job, I won't be able to take it. So I need them. I need to discourage them from getting that job. I mean, I I think what really comes down to is people who don't know what they're writing about writing stuff. <laughs> and then basing them on old old story forms that we have uh, ma- in many ways sloughed off like so much reptile skin sorry to get yeah. you hot bothered but like it wasn't like I mean like, that was the old Stuart the Devil Wears Prada like that was like a Romana Clef like the woman who wrote that worked for what's her face uh, Anna, Anna Wintour Winter. so like like she no, from Game oh, of Thrones. Winters, oh, what's her face? No, my point is like she would theoretically actually know what it is to have that job. Hey, Dan, I'm going to let you in a little secret. What? Movies okay. are often different okay. than the real things All right. they're based on. Oh. And I'm willing to bet that the person who wrote the movie mm-hmm. did not write the book. Okay. And I'm also willing to bet that the person who wrote the book mm-hmm. made up some stuff. <laughs> and enough. so, Dan, uh, when I think when it, when it was not released as The Devil Wears Prada, an investigative report <laughs> with a Pulitzer Prize Wait a minute, on it. this isn't actually Prada. <laughs> with a letter yeah. from the Times Ombudsman <laughs> saying, yes, we've checked this all this. Script written by Mike Daisy. Specific audience. <laughs> yeah, when it wasn't The Devil Wears Prada Part 4 Means of Ascent by Robert Caro, <laughs> that's when you should know that maybe they took some liberties in the Anna Wintour story. All right, fair enough. Hey, guys, it's been a delight, and I <laughs> thank you, Charlene. Thanks for, for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here. Thank you for picking this movie. I like, I agree with Elliot. I feel like you should do all of the Meatballs movies now. We might have to. But... Writers, write in. Should we do the other Meatballs? <laughs> Bring back Charlene, do the whole Meatballs quadrilogy. Woo! 
but uh, until next time, uh, you know, well, quick, we'll say do all the regular stuff. Write us a good review on iTunes if you yeah, feel please. so inclined. Tweet about us, uh, meet nice about, us, about us, feed about us. Yeah, and feed about us. visit <laughs> us at Minnie's Bar, 885 Fourth <laughs> Avenue. <laughs> In what town is that? Brooklyn, New York. Okay, so if uh-huh. they, they can't just go to any Fourth Avenue. So what was the address again? 885 Fourth Avenue. If your town has an 885 Fourth Avenue, just give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Minnie's is there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and if you get some tickets for the live shows, they're going fast. So yeah. get them now before they're g- 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 gone. Go to MaximumFun.org, listen to the other shows. Dan will announce the winner of that t-shirt contest. I will. Someday. Very soon. Someday. And, Very soon. And like if, maybe if you get a free moment, like do something nice for somebody who's not you. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Just like trying to make the world a better place. Be yeah, nice just, to yeah, yeah. Uh, like and subscribe. Uh, become a Max Fun donor. I think we'll have some new bonus episodes showing mm-hmm. up soon. Soon enough. Uh, but now that that's all uh, in the rear view, we can sign off, and I will that's, start. I feel like that's that would be your movie what? company would be Rear View Productions, and the and, <laughs> oh, the, and the animated production <laughs> logo is you looking at a butt. <laughs> Maybe in a rear TM, view mirror. TM, TM. <laughs> yeah. And like you're like pulling those shades down the bridge here now. Right? <laughs> you know it. <laughs> everyone is advising me against it. Like everyone. <laughs> yeah. You sure you want this to be your production logo? Yeah. Like I want this at the beginning and end of all shows yeah. and movies that rear view productions. Yeah, yeah. my name plastered all over it, <laughs> including Jeffrey Wright's lawyers who are like, my client has copyrighted the way he wears glasses. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> Thank it's you. too bad glasses just can't stay up on top of that nose thank you all for listening it's been a blast I'll be in the same room together and have Charlene here but for the Flophouse I've been Dan McCoy hey I'm Stuart Wellington Elliot Kalen over here Charlene Wellington in the words of our <laughs> pal Meatball that's right goodbye moolahs <laughs> alright and his name's Meathead <laughs> I was gonna be, but he's so cutie. Yeah. <laughs> and also, and also, I literally have to take the mashed potatoes on a fork and put the fork in his mouth when he eats them. So I could have stopped him. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You're part of the crime. He wasn't. Yeah, exactly. But I felt pressured mm-hmm. by his cuteness. Well, I say, I say, this baby can't be convicted for the crime of stealing mashed potatoes. <laughs> I'd like to hear from, like to hear from the defendant. Ba 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 ba. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, my, my case rests. <laughs> Which, with, the, with the court reporter, read that back, please. Um, ba 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 ba. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.